The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 11 of the Emerald Flow Show. We're a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show, and you can follow us on any of the major podcasting apps. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star uh, rating and a nice little review. And you can go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate to donate to the show if you are so generous. I'm Gerard Detroyo here with Paul Vosch. Paul, how are you doing this week? Uh, doing pretty good. I'm actually not coming to you from my normal location of Berlin. I've actually gone back to my hometown for a couple of days to go to the dentist and visit my mother. So I'm coming to you from a, like a nice sunny day. Well, I'm celebrating a day off as well, which makes it even better. Nice. You might actually hear that both of us sound a little bit more energetic because it's not the middle of the night <laughs> for Gerard and it's not like 7.30 a.m. for me this time. Yes, definitely. It does make a difference, although we'll see what happens. It's going to be a really hot day today where I am going up to like 30 degrees Celsius. So uh, it's already 28 out apparently. So maybe the heat will get to me, but uh, I think I can power through. <laughs> okay. Then just remember to hydrate. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we have a ton to talk about. Um, so many big shows, so many unexpected occurrences have happened and everything like that. Uh, so I think we'll just cut to the chase and we will start with the Cyberfight Festival, uh, which happened uh, 
on June 12th at the St. Thomas Super Arena, uh, drawing uh, 4,891 fans, which was, um, I think, about just under 100 more than last year. Paul, what do you think of that attendance? Yeah, uh, I think in general that's a good attendance. I mean, it's one of the best numbers in Japan since the pandemic. The only thing is I don't necessarily, like, because I think normally Saitama Super Arena has a capacity of significantly more than that. But I also don't know what the actual limit was for this show, because I think that somewhat influences kind of my opinion. Like, I don't think it's a disappointment. But I'm also kind of hard-pressed to call it a success, because last year they had a 5K limit. Right. And most and there were around like 100 or so 200 reserved for like press and everything so like they pretty much drew to capacity last time around and then it kind of depends what the actual max capacity was for this year whether or not i would say that them drawing like a little less than 100 people more is a success or not if it is kind of a similar attendance cap then i would definitely say that is good but if they could have in theory sold significantly more tickets then little harder pressed to call it a success yeah like i i have to assume it's the attendance because I, I think the arena is probably owned by like the prefecture or the city and they tend to be a little stricter than privately owned um buildings but yeah. it just well we'll get into this later but i don't know how the hell if they could make any money off this show given how much they spent on nope. production if they only drew this many fans no absolutely not i mean and also the stage setup probably took up quite a bit of space that we're normally probably could have like seated people as well. So like the, it may very well be capacity of the stadium just based on the stage setup that they have. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, we'll see. So starting off, we had three pre-show matches, which I actually didn't watch originally live because I was watching the All Japan Korokin, but I did go back and watch them. Uh, so the first pre-show match was a DDT offer match. At, so Muscle Sakai and Yuki Onaya defeated Soma Takao and Kazuki Hirata in nine minutes and two seconds with a backdrop from Naya versus Hirata. A good enough opening match. Nothing special here. Um, I do think Naya has actually improved as a wrestler. Yeah, um, I think this was just a solid overall match. I kind of liked all of the kind of pre-show matches overall. Um yeah, but there wasn't really all that much to say about this one. Uh, the second match was a uh, Tokyo Joshi offer match. Now Kakuda, Mahiro Kiryu, Moka Miyamoto, and Arisu Endo, and oh, sorry, and Kaya Torabami defeated Hyper Misao, Yuki Aino, Palm Harajuku, uh, Haruna Neko, and Yori from Ganbare in nine minutes and 10 seconds with a spine buster from uh, Kiryu on uh, Harajuku. Uh, I thought this was a much better than the original opener. This is a lot of fun. I got some chuckles when Stuart Fulton on English commentary was calling her Hyper Misawa, (laughs) (laughs) which I think a lot of people caught because I saw a lot of people mentioning that. Um, But yeah, it was really fun. I thought Torobami actually looked really good here with her high-flying moves. And it was just like a good opener offering up what uh, TJPW can offer. Mm -hmm. But correct me if I'm wrong, but like Stuart Fulton has done commentary for Tokyo Joshi Pro in the past, right? I no, he has for stardom, hasn't he? I don't I think he might have done it for Tokyo Joshi Pro, but yeah, it's usually it Brooks and Aki. Yeah, no, but he I think he was kind of the original guy doing like before he did no, I think he actually did Tokyo Joshi Pro. 
Okay. Uh, but it it is. But I guess maybe that just shows how much he just has changed his mindset to like fit Noah now, where he called a hyper Misawa instead. Yeah. And actually, that actually would have been an interesting. Like, I guess if Misawa had like gone the Kawada route and ended up in Hustle, I guess that would have been his gimmick. <laughs> yes, quite possibly. Um, so yeah, that was a good little match. And then for the third pre-show, uh, we had DDT versus Ganbari. Uh, Eruption, Yukio, Yukio Sakaguchi, Saki Akai, and Hideke Okatani defeated Kenoka, Yuna Manase, and Mizuki Watase. And we'll talk about more him more later in 10 minutes and 20 seconds uh, via referee stop. Um, Sakaguchi sort of got a sleeper hold on Watase and the referee stopped it. I mean, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought, I thought everyone looked good. I mean, eruption is great, but it's just sort of, I don't know. It was strange to see eruption on the pre-show given like they had the attention about putting Okataki, Okatani in the unit. And I feel like they usually highlight Saki Akai a lot more on bigger shows too. Yeah. Uh, I would say that this was very clearly the most controversial thing on the show. The fact that eruption was on the pre-show and not on the main show. Don't think anything really happened to kind of rival that uh, kind of level of outrage. <laughs> definitely um, the most controversial thing. Definitely. No, but seriously, like I, I was definitely like very, I was definitely, I really liked the match, but I was definitely not happy that Eruption was only on the pre-show, like because to me, they very clearly deserve better. I mean, it was a very packed card anyway. So I kind of to some degree get it where they kind of got the quote unquote main event spot on the pre-show. But I still would have liked to see them be in a more uh, be in a more prominent spot on a show that is like of this magnitude as well. So, can you imagine? I think they, aside from that, was good. If they had been at the like the uh, top half of the card, can you imagine the entrance they would have gotten? Oh God, yeah, they would have they would have come up with a crazy like like Saki Akai also would have come up with a crazy costume as well. Absolutely, like, like would have her. been worth it just for that. Like they probably would have put like Sakaguchi in like a samurai outfit as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because to open the show, uh, I guess because we're there now. Like, as soon as I tuned in when I switched over from AGPW TV to Wrestle Universe, first thing I see is like uh, a bunch of drummers and like Shinjiro Takagi in full samurai gear. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was really just kind of the first taste of what was to come later. And it's the thing is like we had that, but that wasn't even like that. I wouldn't even put that in the top ten of like the craziest stuff they did on the show in terms of production. Yeah, definitely. And so to open the actual show, uh, we had a Noah versus DDT match of, uh, well, technically the young guys, three out of four of them, I would say, are. Uh, Kenya Okada and Kai Fujimura of Noah defeated Toi Kojima and Yua Kuroku of um, DDT in 11 minutes and 45 seconds with a crab hold from Okada on Kojima. Uh, got a little sloppy towards the end, uh, I think between Okada and Kojima with some sort of botches but other than that i really like the energy of the match and i'm glad that okada actually got a win uh, yeah, i think i, I like yeah. i like this i think more than some people but i guess it just comes down to how much the botches in the sort of context that they happen bother you and they didn't really bother me that much no i think that's fine for like a young boy match like they are still i mean okada's a little bit older than the rest but like they are generally just still somewhat unexperienced i think sometimes like that will just happen because they're just kind of lacking that experience um no i think otherwise there was like a good fiery fiery opener kind of what they expected there i was kind of afraid that they were going to go kind of the draw route as well 
but uh, I was happy to see that Okada actually got the win here as well. And also started off the uh, what was to come as well between Noah and DDT as well in terms of results. Yes, yes. And so then uh, we had a uh, Tokyo Joshi offer match, uh, one to one million Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito plus Juria Nagano uh, defeated Hikari Noah, Suzume and Yuki Arai in 10 minutes and 54 seconds with a skull kick from Yamashita on Suzume. Um, this was, I thought, pretty good, actually. Uh, I saw some people who just thought it was a sort of average. I don't know. I thought every, all of the women, they got to sort of show off their spots, sort of do some character work. I will say, I think they sort of hid uh, Nagano a bit in this match because she, I think she technically has the least experience of anyone in this match, even though they're clearly like setting her up to be a big star, although the work has a long way to go. Yeah, I think she definitely shows potential. Um, I guess, I mean, to be fair, Tokyo Joshi can often be a promotion that books very conservatively. So it's kind of refreshing that they are giving someone like this strong of a push kind of right away when they probably aren't quite ready yet. Like it's definitely risky. But obviously, if it works, I think it's going to pay off in a big way. Um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I thought the match overall it was fine. It wasn't anything special. I mean, it's the second match on the show, technically, if we're going by main card. So I don't think you can really approach a match like that with like super high expectations. Right. Uh, but I think, yeah, as I said, kind of everyone just kind of got their signature spots across, which... I think it's really all you need from a match like this on a show this big. Yep, definitely. And then so, oh boy, uh, the DDT offer match, Pheromones, Dan Shuko, Dandy Dino, Yuki, Sexy Ino, and Yumahito, Fantastic Imanari, now with Akito, uh, Kochin, uh, Nishigaki, defeated Shanshiro Takagi, Kendo Kashin, Shinya Aoki, and Yumiko Hota in 1321 uh, with the chicken erect hold. <laughs> uh, from Akito on Takagi. This was bad even by pheromone standards. I just, I co-wrote the review on voicesofwrestling.com with you and Cameron. I just gave this a big fat dud. Yeah, uh, this was just kind of nothing. It's just, I I mean, I showed as people that like the pheromone stuff, I'm generally just like, generally it's just kind of bad. And this Even... was definitely that. It was just very self-indulgent as well. Like it was just, I don't know, just, I, I get that they have to put Dino on these shows, obviously, like, because he is a big deal in the promotion, but this just, I don't just match. Like, I actually liked the uh, uh, the last, like when we watched. Um, I was just about to say the match yeah. on Judgment. Yeah, I like that match a lot more. I oh, like yeah, that pheromones sure. match a lot more because that at least had like that dramatic final stretch and this match was just, kind of a whole bunch of nothing see i thought i thought the match got originally when i was watching i thought the match got thrown out as like a no contest or a dq because kendo caution got pissed and started spraying the um <laughs> fire extinguisher in the ring and i couldn't see anything but no it was like the chicken erect hold yeah <laughs> i mean i guess at least there was a good of use of kendo caution if they have to put put him on the show although Fair it enough. is a little weird that he is what is labeled as a ddt offer match when he's not a DDT guy. But yeah. Well, whatever. neither is Hoda. Yeah, true. Uh, though I sort of dug it before the match really fell apart for me when she was kicking the shit out of pheromones that I thought that was cool. Yeah. 
no, generally, like, like what I will give to pheromones that like when it is actually time for them to kind of sell, they are generally pretty good at that. Yeah, yeah, they're good at getting the shit kicked out of them for sure. Yeah, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, next match, uh, one of the ones that I was looking forward to was a Princess of Princess title contendership four way match. And Rika Tatsumi defeated Mizuki, Yuki Kamafuku, and Miyu Watanabe in nine minutes and 37 seconds with a missile hip attack off the top rope from uh, uh, Rika onto Miyu. Uh, I correctly predicted the winner. I thought, you know, given Tokyo Joshi's conservative um, uh, booking patterns, that friend of the show, Rika Tatsumi, uh, won the match. Uh, Somewhat surprised that she pinned her tag team partner um i thought actually miyu actually was the star of the match just doing her sort of spectacular power moves and uh kamafuku who's the weakest worker in this match they sort of kept her involvement to a minimum it was your standard four-way like two women in the ring then a couple get knocked out whatever uh you know this may be not quite as spectacular that some of these women could have actually pulled off with some more time but i thought it was like a solid three and a half star match uh, do you think Rika has a chance of winning the title? Uh, actually, I do. Yeah. Just because, also... of, unless they just like, what other, like, do they go back to Yamashita again? Or do they have Ido, well, no, Ido's still international princess, but like, yeah. if you keep the belt on Shoko, like, do you, do you basically save her, you know, for Ido getting her big title win? I don't know if, if that's who you sort of want to put in that position, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's just, as we said, like at the top of the card, Tokyo Joshi is just so conservative where it just feels like there's just four people that are like ever allowed to hold their title. Like mm. it's Rita, it's Rita, Rika, uh, Miyu, uh, Shoko, and, uh, and, um, uh, I mean, what's the semi main here? Uh, it's uh yuka uh, Yuka, yeah yuka like those are like the only four people that are ever allowed to hold the title right so it's just i mean because that's the thing like because rika was champion like because shoko won it for mio but mio won it from rika so like it just feels like the title is just going in a circle so it just feels pretty uninspiring if she's just the next champion like i I think it's kind of time for tokyo joshi to like start elevating someone else because it's just feels very stale at the top of the card at the moment. So uh, I obviously thought like going into this, like ideal, if you want to shake things up, you give me you the win here. Yeah. And then, but I was, I just didn't suspect that was going to happen because I didn't think they would put her in the main event of an Oda Ward gym show in July. Yeah. And so I was proven right, even though she was like the standout in this match to me. I mean, maybe if Rika actually wins the title, like the fact that she actually pinned Miyu here, is actually like an indicator that that might be like a title feud. That actually would be something interesting. But again, yes. like if that just ends then with Rika just keeping the title afterwards, that doesn't really break the cycle. No. So I don't know. We'll see. But I'm actually sort of looking forward to that show in July now, especially with Willow Nightingale um, announced. Yeah, that that's actually something I'm really curious about. Because uh, I'm think willow nightingale actually has a good chance of getting over as well like yep and i'm really curious like how much she's going to improve as a worker because i think if she actually like figures out how to like properly work to her size like that's gonna get her over huge in japan i think especially on especially on the tokyo joshi roster because she's just going to be 
significantly bigger than almost anyone else on the roster. Yeah. Well, I think she's already improved just watching her on AEW compared to what I saw, like, you know, a year or two ago of her on the Indies. So I think mm-hmm. she'll do well. I actually think she's a pretty good candidate to be international princess champion, to be honest with you. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Yeah, because then she can kind of keep feuding with Ito as well if she goes back to the US and back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. It can actually do that. It could even do like a, a international princess title match on like uh on like dynamite or something. That'll probably be on dark elevation. <laughs> yes. I was I was trying to be optimistic here. <laughs> <laughs> Rampage if you're lucky. Um <laughs> So then after that, we had the no, another Noah Offer match. Michael Algen, Rene Dupree, Hijo Dale, Dr. Wagner Jr., Simon Gotch, and Timothy Thatcher defeated Takashi Sugera, Kazuki Fujita, Masakitamiya, Daiki Anaba, and Shuhei Taniguchi in 14 minutes and one second when Algen pinned um, Naba of all people, uh, with the Algen bomb. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought this was... Um, actually pretty good you know it was sort of like a sprint everyone getting their shit in i like the uh, sequences between thatcher and fujita a lot somewhat surprised that it was anaba taking the fall and not uh taniguchi i still think they must be sort of protecting taniguchi for something maybe he's in the n1 uh so yeah i mean solid match obviously though like you know elgin gets the win which means you know obviously he's gonna 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 get continue to get pushed obviously (laughs) you know so yeah about that um, but I know Paul, uh, you wanted, to, you are the much bigger t- Timothy Thatcher <laughs> fan than I am. So I will give the floor to you. What yes. do you think of him in the company so far? I think he is going to be a very good fit actually. Like, uh, and I mean, I do have to give credit as well, uh, to, uh, DNMT from the discord who actually did figure it out before Thatcher debuted. Like we actually went in and did like vid, like where they actually went in and did like video analysis of the announcement video, actually tracing it down to the exact match that they like took that from and that was uh Thatcher versus Suzuki in OTT which is actually a match that I was there live for and just to show that as well uh, if you actually watch that match and might be confused why they shot uh, his entrance from a weird angle is because I covered the hard cam with my Timothy Thatcher scarf uh, which I actually got yelled at by the cameraman <laughs> <laughs> wow that's an uh, interesting story yeah <laughs> so uh but I think, uh, like, I think he's going to be a really good fit uh, for the promotion. I think he fits in really well style-wise. Um, I hope he gets, like, like obviously, like, he fits in kind of with kind of all of the ground-based stuff that they're doing. But I also hope that he, like, really, like, breaks out all of his kind of brawling as well that he started to do uh, during his kind of European run. Um, so, because I think that kind of mixture of kind of, like, really, like, hard-hitting brawling and, like, ground-based stuff like, again, like, I think, I'm pretty sure he's a member of Seguragan, and that's just kind of a perfect fit for him. Well, because that's pretty much exactly the style that they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also assume that he was, like, the connection that he was brought in was through Hideki Suzuki. For sure. Uh, yeah, because they were together in WWE at the same time, and they were in the same faction there as well, I think. Was that just? Uh, well, I know that Diamond Mine had like a bunch of members that got released before the 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 group was even debuted. Yeah. So I think that might be true. I don't remember, yeah. but yeah, yeah. But I, I think they fit real. I and I think there's actually callback as well because I think I actually talked about this on one of the earliest episodes that we ever recorded. It was I think we were talking about around the time when they were bringing in foreigners or when we were debating who would 
would be like foreigners to bring in. I think I actually did talk about Fadra then. And I think one of the things I mentioned was as well that I would just ha- want to have like Suzuki and Fadra just like run roughshod over the tag division mm-hmm. for like a while. And I think that seems, I, I mean, I don't know if we're getting that, but I would also, I also get the feeling that we're probably going to get like a Suzuki Fadra tag team out of it. And I think they might also be like the next challengers for the tag team titles as well. Yeah, that's possible. Um, I kind of had this feel. That's interesting because, like, do they win? Because I kind of had the feeling that, like, they were going to have like Elgin and Kitamiya hold those for a while. I mean, but no I one holds a title. Get, I mean, they, they're pushing Elgin, so I would have a feeling that they're probably going to keep it on Elgin and Kitamiya. I mean, personally speaking, for a variety of reasons, I would yes. prefer it if Fetra and Suzuki win it. Uh, some of those are in ring related. Um, so, yeah, but just looking at the fact how much of a big deal they have made out of having Elgin and the fact that Elgin is kind of more of a proven commodity in Japan compared to Fetcher, I would get the feeling that they were probably gonna not have them win. But to be honest, like, I also feel like Suzuki is not someone that wants to be in a lot of title matches that he isn't going to win. Right. Well, Thatcher will just do the job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Thatcher wouldn't mind. Yeah, Thatcher yeah. was the fall guy in the tag team of Walter as well. So, yeah. But again, like, you also want to establish Thatcher properly. So I would definitely be, like, I would probably be, like, 60-40 Elgin and Kitamiya retaining if they actually do book that tag match relatively right. soon. If they book it not now, but maybe, like, after the end one, then I would definitely say that they have a very good chance of winning a title stand. Yeah, well, I mean, since uh, he's Hideki's boy, uh, Thatcher will be protected. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I'm actually wondering if that means he is going to be in the end one as well. I would assume so. I would But we don't know how long this run is. Like, we kind of know the original batch, kind of what their kind of length of run is, basically, or of the original one, but we don't actually know how long this Thatcher run is going to be. Right. Well, I mean, he hasn't really been anywhere else, right? So yeah, he might no. be around for a bit. He, I mean, he has done some like US indie stuff, but yeah, he hasn't really done, like he hasn't really popped anywhere up anywhere as a regular. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of homesteads a Noah for a while. Yeah. And then another Noah offer match, the wild team of Rob Van Dam, Hayate, and Yoshinari Ogawa defeated Kaito Kiyomiya, Daisuke. Oh, no, you actually skipped over the... Oh, sorry. The, DDT yeah. offer match, which yes. I feel bad now because I love this match. Uh, Hiroshima, Naomi, Yoshimura, Chris Brooks, and Masahiro Takanashi defeated Yuki Ueno, Shunma Kachimata, Mao, and Asuka in 1429 uh, when uh, Hiroshima pinned Katsumata after Sumato. I love this match. I think it's up there for the best match of the show. It was like just a really good depiction of like the DDT style because it was like fast paced, high flying, but you know, it was comedy done well because everyone here is pretty, a pretty good wrestler. I know people have their thoughts about Mao and Katsumata at times, but everyone worked hard. It was a lot of fun. And I thought Ueno and Asuka looked incredible here and like why, you know, people talk about them as being two of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this was really kind of DDT at its best and when I also enjoy it the most. I mean, yeah, as I said, like when they actually managed to find that perfect blend between in-ring action and comedy, 
Like, I think that's really the biggest strong suit of DDT, and they did that here exactly. And I mean, these are also like eight of the best guys that DDT has to offer as well. Right. Like, obviously, there's like some other people that are like come up in like later matches that are also really, really good. But like, yeah, I would say like minus like Endo, Akiyama, and Higuchi, and then maybe Sakaguchi as well. Like, these are really like the best guys on the DDT roster in ring wise. So. I think, yeah, and they really just perfectly got to showcase everything that they can do. And would I say that it's the best match on the show? I mean, I have more general thoughts on like the match quality on the show later and how that relates to the overall show. But I can definitely see like the the argument for this being the best match on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, well, we'll get to the other one, but it's like between this and another match. Uh, for me so then finally to the no offer match i was just so excited to talk about rvd uh rob van dam hayata and yoshinari ogawa defeated kaito kiyomiya daisuke harada and yohei in 13 minutes and two seconds when uh rvd pinned uh, harada with the five-star frog splash these days maybe looking about like a three and three quarters frog (laughs) star frog splash um I mean, all things considered, I actually thought RVD looked better here than he did in his uh, last run in Impact, and I, which I think was in 2019, maybe into early 2020 before the pandemic. Uh, he looked really shaky there. RVD is obviously moving slower, but he still managed to hit all of his signature spots, like the Rolling Thunder and like the kick to the back of the head from the the apron with the guy uh, draped across the guardrail, like. So he didn't look like he was struggling by any means, just a lot slower. And it was fun for what it was, I thought. Uh, Pinning Harada over Yohei was somewhat surprising. And after the match in uh, RVD's backstage presser, he was uh, confronted by Nosawa. And it sounds like they're going to do a hardcore match in July at the Budokan. And that's just purely Nosawa living out all of his fantasies. Yeah, (laughs) that is is the most ego booking I've ever seen anyone done ever like that is even more self-indulgent than someone putting the title on Neil Mascaris <laughs> was unavailable so he's going with yeah. RVD <laughs> I mean but hey kudos to him I mean look it's it's not like it's like a main event or anything like that so you, you might as well just go for it and be like oh you're available for this date right now and you want to have a hardcore match against myself which is something I've always wanted sure let's do it so I can't even really fault him for that um I mean, I definitely went into this match with not very high expectations for RVD. And he definitely exceeded those. I mean, as you said, like he definitely was able to hit all of his signature spots. Obviously, he's not as mobile and agile as he was 20 years ago. But he did look significantly better than he has done in previous years. So I guess it actually helped. Him yeah, he was training some hard. Time off. He looked like it. Yeah. Like he definitely seemed motivated. Like this, this is the most motivated I've seen RVD in like what fifteen years, maybe. But yeah. Just saying something about RVD, but uh, I think that definitely helped this match. Like I, I actually thought this match was a lot of fun. Like I don't think it was like a great match or anything yeah. like that, but it was really good for what it was. And I would actually say that RVD was not the worst guy on his team, which I somewhat <laughs> expected going in. <laughs> yeah and uh yeah like i said he'll be back in july and he's going to be a semi-regular yeah which i mean if if he performs like he did here then like i'm fine with that i probably wouldn't put him in the n1 i think that's probably asking a little much of him but if he just kind of pops in for like these kind of big shows and has matches like this then yeah i'm fine with that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I guess he's supposed to be like trying to get foreign pe- foreigners to buy Wrestle Universe. That's that's his role, right? Yeah. So is he going to get three hundred k for that? <laughs> I no, guess I don't it? know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, was so that in dollars or was that in yen? I thought it was in dollars, but I because three hundred thousand yen is. A three thousand bucks that's not bad though yeah yeah that's not i mean 300k is just kind of definitely work <laughs> yeah oh yeah by the way what do you think of international superstar hayata coming to the uk um if he was the only one available fine but if he was the one that they specifically sought out uh, i don't know what to think about that yeah it's not even wouldn't even be my favorite guy in the same unit to bring in right i mean it could have been no one else wanted to go so I mean, yeah, maybe. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely not a lot of people on the NOAA roster that I would have liked to see less in the UK. <laughs> like, for almost anyone else, I probably would have considered getting on a plane and flying over to the UK just to, like, get the chance. But for higher time... Like, would you get on a plane to see Alejandro? I would consider it. I probably wouldn't immediately run to like the next ticket book, like run and check like fry prices for Alaha. But if like price is a line, like if I can get a cheap flight and like a cheap hotel, I would think about it. For Ogawa, I'm just immediately booking and I'm not even checking prices. I'm just immediately clicking on the booking button. For sure. And in a match that definitely nobody saw, um, Noah versus DDT, the team of Katsuhiko Nakajima, Atsushi Kotoge, Yoshiki Inamura defeated uh, Tetsuya Endo, Jun Akiyama, and Kazusada Higuchi of DDT in six minutes and 20 seconds uh, because of a referee stoppage because Nakajima knocked out Endo with a slap. The slap. The slap. <laughs> the slap. Um, yeah, I mean... I, I don't know what else is there to say about this. I thought this was like going to be an awesome match during the first five minutes. I was like, "Ooh, this is good. this looks like it's going to be shaping up to be good." Yeah. And then I, just... I distinctly remember typing this rules in the Discord, and then the referee waves it off. I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, <laughs> something went really wrong here." <laughs> um. So I mean, what I think we can say is that this was not intentional. No, no, by Nakajima. But they... like it, and also it was not a shoot. Like it, it was supposed, a work. it was a work that went wrong. Right, 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 right. Sorry, I wasn't sure what you meant by that. But yes, no. Yeah. Um, yeah it, although I, I think that Nakajima and Endo were having some cooperation issues just before the slap happened. Mm-hmm. Like, seemed like Endo didn't like Nakajima's kicks, and then because Endo started laying in those forearms really hard. And then the slap. I mean, but then again, I'm wondering, like, was that maybe still supposed to be part of the match of kind of Nakajima's character being like frustrated and everything? And like, especially because they worked that in that he was like frust, like, which probably was real, that he was frustrated for being left off the show and everything. Where he also knocked down Kotoga at the press conference. And then, like, obviously, like, this apparently was supposed to knock him down. For that, too, though, I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that. For the but like, slap. To me, like, it was very clearly part of the match structure. Like, and I do right. think that he did expect to actually knock Endo down with the slap because then he, like, tried to pin him with one foot, like, super cockily. 
and then realized when he saw that Ender wasn't moving, that he wasn't going to kick out, is when he lifted off his foot to stop the pin. Right, right. Yes, definitely. But, like, Akiyama came over pretty fast. Yeah, because then... I think Akiyama is experienced enough to realize that Endo was just completely out of it. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, the definitely, like, it was definitely, like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed, Akiyama. Yes. Yes. And then all of a sudden, like, Nakajima had, like, just, like, this blank stare, like, he know he fucked up royally. Yeah, this was this was Nakajima basically having flashbacks to being in uh to being in Kenske's gym and just he just screwed something up in training and now he's getting a long lecture he on everything just, he did he, wrong. He just give Kento a black eye while training. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like something just happened in training and he's just there and he just gets chewed out by his dad. Yeah, basically. Only in this case it's his dad's friend. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, Endo has had to vacate the uh, KOD uh, Openweight Championship, and that's going to be now dis- given to the winner of the uh, King of DDT tournament. Um, I think this is actually a pretty serious concussion if they're just vacating the title now instead of waiting until after the tournament. Yeah, and I hope it's also just a, well, quote-unquote, just a concussion. Um, because kind of his head bounced off the mat there as well. Yep. So, like, I hope that there's no, like, spinal thing or anything like that. Well, he's not in the like, hospital. He's at home. Yeah, he's not in the hospital. So hopefully it's just a bad concussion. But again, like, it can take a while to, like, recover from that as well. Yeah. So, but I mean, I hope that eventually, like, he should be good to return as well. But that's definitely something that, like, I mean, it was an accident, but Nakajima just majorly fucked DDT here. Um, this was supposed to be Endo's, unintentionally. I think, yeah. I think this was supposed to be Endo's signature title right Yes, now. yes, because he finally managed to overcome Takeshita. Like finally, after like literally a feud that has been building like for like nearly a decade, they were building up this win for Endo, and then Nakajima comes in and ends it after like three months. Yep. And um, it's not even that he like got to like put someone over winning the belt off of him. Like he had to vacate it as well, which is kind of like the worst case scenario as well. Yeah. And I don't even have a good feeling for who's going to win that tournament. No, <laughs> Everyone's like, well, but to be fair, I think DDT is majorly scrambling right now, trying to figure that one out because I don't think they had anyone to line up to beat Endo because Endo was probably going to hold it for the entire rest of the year. Yeah. Like he was probably like, gonna hold it maybe until like cyber fight festival next year and then maybe lose it there like i think that's how long that title reign would have gone so i'm gonna say to all you people out there because i saw a lot of tweets haguchi 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 i don't think that's happening no i think it's a not insignificant chance that it's just ends up on akiyama for some stability yeah or hiroshima yeah like some sort of safety blanket while they try and figure something out yeah, I mean, if they do want to be spicy, or if they do want to, re- if they do want to go, okay, let's just try something. They could put it on Ueno. Yes, but I mean, I love Ueno, but his title ch- challenge against Endo drew horribly, so I yes. don't know that they're in the mood to do that right now. Yeah, no, I don't think. I think that if it had drawn well, I think he would be much more in consideration. Yeah, if if that if that had drawn a good number, I think then I think there's an outside chance. They just go and like screw it. Let's just pull the trigger anyway. No, now while he's hot, but that number was really bad. So 
what do you think of Nakajima's future? Do you think he's just going to just sit around in the mid card? Do you think they're going to humiliate him or what? I mean, I think he's definitely going to put over Endo in a match. I think they're going to have a singles match eventually. Maybe at Peter Pan if Endo's healthy? Yeah, I, I could see that where they just go, okay, and it might, I mean, I would love for them to have a competitive match, but I could also see that be like a squash, basically. Where Endo just goes in there and he just squashes Nakajima. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe they're also going to do something with Nakajima and Akiyama, in which case... Nakajima's gonna have to take a lot of lumps from Akiyama. <laughs> yes, that's he will. Gonna be proper vicious. Uh, so that's gonna happen in terms of his push. I mean, I don't know how much that is actually going to affect his push because I don't know how much Noah was even intending to push him going forward. Well, yes, he wasn't supposed to be on the show, but exactly, like, got it's not like surgery. he was supposed to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. So that like it might actually not affect his booking like all that much if they just intended to keep him in the mid card going forward anyway like maybe that just kind of solidified it yeah i don't think he's like i don't know i mean his contract like i don't know how long is like i would assume he's on a yearly contract like most people in japan or if he is actually signed to like a longer contract like that um i mean what he does at the end of that contract or what noah does at the end of that contract i think that's still up in the air if mm-hmm. Noah might just be like, I guess we're done here and best of luck elsewhere. I think that might be something that could happen. See, I don't know. I don't like, think he leaves. I don't think the I don't think the initiative to leave will come from him because where can he go? He well, yeah. go anywhere. well, if they're just going to keep him in the mid card and do nothing with him, mm-hmm. then New Japan becomes more attractive because that'll probably yeah. be the same fate. Yeah. But at least he'll be making good money. Yeah. So I would say that that's kind of like that. Yeah. As I said, that would become like the only kind of likely landing spot for him because obviously now he can't go to the, like there's no real chance anymore of doing like an inter sci-fi fight trade where he goes to DDT because don't think he's welcome there anymore. No, they could send him to Gambar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it's funny, but if his if his career as a main eventer is, is toast, then I think mm-hmm. New Japan becomes more attractive because, yeah, you know he won't like you know not be living up to his full potential because he had nowhere to do that. So yeah, I know that's just my is, feeling. Is there a chance he goes to Gleet? Would they even have the money to pay him? That's the question. I don't know, but I think if they could afford him, they'd probably love to have him. Yeah, that's like also I, because I think he actually would fit in there pretty well. Obviously, he can't go to all Japan. So no, unless something massively changed. Well, look, if if if, if all Japan had like money, you were like here's fifty thousand dollars to put over Kento in the main event of Sumo <laughs> Hall or Budokan or something, right? Yeah, but again, that's not him coming. Like, I'm more thinking about like what would be like a spot for him to come in as a regular. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like maybe if you pay him enough, he would be willing to put over Kento, but I don't think he wants to like hang around the same locker room as Kento all the time. No, no. Yeah, who knows, right? So it's yeah. that's a really interesting question going forward to the future that we'll have to see. Yeah. And then so in arguably what was like, I don't know, this match got a lot of hype, I felt, at least from uh, the way that Cyberfight was doing. And it was um, 
the no DQ hardcore match, no versus DDT, Kendo defeated Daisuke Sasaki in 21 minutes and 28 seconds with the PFS. Uh, this was a spectacle match. Um, I liked it, like in terms of like three and a half. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Sasaki. It's very much like a hardcore match, not like your Masashi Takeda hardcore match, but like go around the ring set up a spot, do a spectacular spot. You know, there were obviously spectacular spots like Sasaki's diving elbow off the top rope to the seated Keno on the outside. And then the PFS off of the ladder from Keno for the finish, looking like it destroyed his intestine, uh, Sasaki's intestines. So in, in terms of being a spectacle, I think it lived up to that. Obviously just not like a, the greatest hardcore match or anything you've ever seen, but I think it did its job in like, sort of got Kento or Keno over as like a big star. Yeah. Uh, thought I wasn't really a super big fan of this match, but I also don't really like this type of match. Like I'm much more of a fan of the Takeda style hardcore match or like the, the Takeda style kind of death match rather than this kind of more WWE kind yeah, of this spectacle is definitely an American style. Hardcore yeah. Match. Like, because like I didn't dislike it as much as I did, for example, the Tanahashi Kenta match. Because I hated that match. I thought that match. Well, was given given awful. given given what the uh, participants had to endure, it was definitely not yeah. worth it. No, absolutely not. Because then it also on top of that rubbed those of like Kenta ever really being like anything ever again. Most he's likely, gotta so, be, like, oh, he's gonna look so. Yeah. I'm concerned about how he'll look in the G1. Yeah, I'm like, especially because just before that, he had this great performance in Noah against like in that six man tag where him and Inamura, and I was like, maybe that's going to have like a great singles match down line. And that's not, that's never going to happen now because if they had to do that stupid American spectacle hardcore match. And, and so I didn't dislike this one as much because at least it seems that both Kano and Sasaki kind of got out of it in, in both healthy, which is good. Um, yeah, but otherwise, like, this type of match just always leaves me cold because there's just way too much downtime where, like, it's just one guy just spends 15 minutes setting up a spot while the other guy just kind of, like, lies down and very blatantly looks over at the other guy setting up the spot to, like, wait his turn until it's, like, time for the spot. And it's just, it just com- literally every single time, it just completely takes me out of it. I thought what sort of kept me into it was Keno being Keno for lack of a better term. Right. (laughs) And, you know, there was a, there was like brawl between like damnation TA and Congo at one point. Uh, Masakatsu Funaki did the, you know, ride the bike down the ramp spot, although he missed and ended up hitting Manabu Soya with the bike. That was my favorite part of the match. That was like not even close. That was like very easily. Like my favorite part of the match was Masakatsu fucking Funaki on a bike. (laughs) The only way that could have been better if the bike had been on fire. Um, yes. So no, yeah, kind of uh, teased the flaming kick, but yes, I, I was that disappointed happen. it didn't do that. That that probably then I probably would have been a bit more positive on it. But yeah, I mean, I probably maybe I liked it about as much as I can like this type of match because sure. I just don't like this type of match. Yeah. Um, exactly. So there's just a very low ceiling for me with this type. But I mean, I guess both guys really like tried hard. Um, so I guess I can give them that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it I think it enhanced Keno's aura, if anything, yeah. for sure, yeah, right? Yeah. So and that also successful. completed the sweep of Noah over DDT as well. <laughs> yes, the accidental sweep. Definitely was intended. <laughs> yeah. Um and then I 
you in the run sheet you've got Mudo coming out, but doesn't that happen right before the GHC match? Yeah, I wasn't really sure if it happened here or if it happened after the uh, the princess title match. No, it was before the GHC okay. match. So we'll go to the princess of princess title yeah. match. Uh, Shoko Nakajima defeated Yuka Sakazaki in 14 minutes and 57 seconds with a diving senton off the top rope, making her third successful defense of this title reign, which I'm not sure what the direction, and I think most fans are not sure what the direction of the title reign is. I thought this was um, pretty good, but not quite, like, just a, just a notch below, like, like super recommended. Like I went three and three quarters on it. Uh, I think Yuka might've injured her arm on one of the spills to the outside. It looked like, and I thought that sort of slowed the match down for a bit, but like, again, like, you know, these are both really great wrestlers, but it was sort of like, you know, what does this match really mean? I think was a bit of a, an issue for it. Although I think they are going to tell the story of, of Yuka not being able to win the title at, at Cyber Fight Festival because, you know, last year she challenged Yamashita and was unsuccess- unsuccessful. Um, so I think she might win it at Cyber Fight Festival next year or maybe. From Rika? Yeah, maybe. Um, Just goes through all three of them and finally beats one of them. Yeah. So I don't know. I've seen people all over the place on this match like didn't like it very much liked it a lot where did you fall Paul yeah I also was a bit disappointed from this match I thought it was okay it was a bit sloppy as well I think it also to me it never really went into that second gear as well it seemed like a match that was kind of stuck in first gear it just never really escalated kind of beyond its initial stages Um, the finish to me also felt a little bit abrupt as well like it fell a little bit flat because of that. So it was like, it wasn't bad, but it was just disappointing. Like it was just, it kind of felt both of them going through the motions to some degree. Like it didn't feel a match that felt big, despite the fact that it was on a big stage in a big spot as well. It felt like a match that they could have also had at a much smaller show as well. Like, it didn't really feel different from the match they might have had in, like, Shin Kiba, which I think there's, like, different way you have to work in Shin Kiba that you would have to work in, like, Saitama Super Arena. So I was a bit disappointed because of that. Um, yeah, as kind of covered as well, like, not quite sure kind of where they're going to go now with the booking as well. Uh, I mean, I did like that Yuka kind of, like, sold the loss a bit more this year as well. So that was good. Um, but yeah, otherwise it was just a bit of a disappointing match overall. I, I should say though, the, um, entrances here were great. So I really like Shoko's with like the inflatable dinosaurs or whatever yes. they were, were awesome. And then, uh, and also Bill Shoko backstage, uh, walking up to the ramp as well. Yeah. I really like that as well. I mean, I mean, in general, like, I mean, we're going to talk about it later as well, like, just in general, like this is really like when the presentation kind of like with starting with the previous match. Well, like, I would say really, like, the presentation start, starting into, like starting from that DDT offer match with yeah. um, the eight person tag. With, I thought uh, uh, like Sana Kamina's um, entrance with like the t shirt guns and everything was yeah. cool. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it just but it just kept escalating from yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Oh, can, we forgot to talk about Keno's entrance. 
Yeah, well, well, that's what I thought that we were going to talk oh, about. Okay. It, like, uh, like yeah. let's just talk about like when we do like general thoughts. Okay. Yeah. So um, then everybody's favorite Keiji Muto came to the ring and he was brief. He was decked out in a Noah tracksuit, uh, interestingly enough. And he was brief, just said like he's going to retire next spring and he had five more matches. And I should add that a day later, a, a story came out in Tokyo Sports where five to six was floated. <laughs> There are reports he's shopping some of those matches around to like New Japan, maybe even the for the actual retirement because he wants to maximize his payday. And also, a I can't remember his name, but like he's he's not a wrestler, but he's like the director of Cyber Fight. He said the dome is possible. I mean, it is Muto, so I mean we're already like because he was like it's five more matches, and we're already going to five to six matches, like. Wouldn't be shocked in, if in like a couple of months we're up to 10. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it that he actually retires and then also actually does stay retired. Yeah. Like the only time I will actually believe that Keiji Muto will not have in it like one more match is probably the day he dies. Yeah. So the thing was back when his hip injury happened, like he gave this, he gave this interview very defiant talking about his doctors being like, well, I'm not going to listen to the doctors. I'm going to listen to me. But now he's saying the doctors are telling him to retire because like of the hips as well, in addition to the knees and probably other things. And it wouldn't shock me if Cyberfight was telling him to retire as well. I mean, but again, this kind of whole period in spring as well, that kind of runs beyond his contract as well. And then once he's out of Cyberfight. Yeah. Like, because this could... Well, like, that's yeah, why you can shop around be, the final retirement. Exactly, yeah. To New but then, obviously, once he kind of got the money out of Cyberfight to do a retirement, once he's no longer on contract to Cyberfight, there's nothing forcing him to actually honor that. Okay, but... I don't see... Well, first of all, obviously, like, when you have an Anita or a Funk, like, each retirement got diminishing returns. Yeah. Onita draws like 500 people if he's lucky to like a hardcore show yeah these days if mudo comes out of retirement he's not selling out anything bigger than Corican, in my opinion i mean mudo is retiring but what about the great oh. mudo <laughs> i've seen that joke yes <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is a joke to a degree but like i wouldn't be surprised if that is actually the play that he's pulling right 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 like, if he is just, like, well, Keiji Muto retired in Japan, and then he just, like, does, like, a U.S. tour as the Great Muda. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. Because there's probably a bunch of indie promoters that would pay big bucks for that. Uh, Conrad Thompson will put him in the ring with Ric Flair. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it would actually be a match where Muto is just very easily the best, better worker in the match as well. Yeah. Um, Not even going to be close in that case. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But yeah, there's probably all sorts of politicking and stuff going on in the background of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tokyo Dome, I could definitely like, here's the thing, if they can do that, they should absolutely do that. Yeah. Because you do need to like, because again, this is the biggest payday that Muto is going to have for the rest of his life like and, and for the it helps life basically and it, and if well because ddt uh well i mean it's not really wouldn't be a ddt mm-hmm. show probably be a noah or a cyber fight show but if they run this dome on Muto's retirement and get a decent get, uh, crowd it enhances their you know perception of how big a promotion they are yeah 
the question is then, are they going to turn it into like a summer of Muto storyline? Well, where that would, that would he has to belt in his final yeah. match. Oh God! And then he's up against Kaito, <laughs> and then he wins. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I can't rule that out. I just hope, though, what actually happens is... I'm not even saying that Mudo has to do the job in his actual retirement match. Yeah. But he puts over Kaito on one of these matches on his way out. And doesn't pin a bunch of people that he shouldn't be anyway. I, I would absolutely love for that to happen. I mean, it's, it's absolutely what you should do. It's the way you do business and wrestling as well as like you put over guy, like, especially now that it's at least announced, at least in terms of cyber fight, it is assured that he is on his way out. Like now is the time to start doing that, to yeah. put over the next guys. Mm-hmm. Well, look at Tenru. He put over Okada, yeah. his, you know, yeah, I think like that would be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's again, that that's the way, that's the right way to do business and wrestling is like, when you're retiring, you put over guys and you stare at the lights in that final match. Like, he, I mean, he might just be in a six. Like, I would probably assume that the actual retirement match is probably just going to be like a six man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they did for Kobashi as well. Yeah, it was eight man in Kobashi's case. Oh, was it an eight man? Okay, yeah. yeah. But uh, to be fair, but he actually won that match. So, Question for you. If it is like an, a six or an eight man match, yeah. is Kai in it? Probably. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what their relationship is now. Well, he was he's been like Mudo's like errand boy when like Mudo's come to the states. In yeah, twenty nineteen WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. But that was, I mean, at this point, that was four years ago as well. Yeah, but I, I, I just sort of assumed that they still had a relationship. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it. Uh, I mean, I'm actually wondering how much of like the Wrestle One crew is going to be in that. I mean. Well, how much he was, there, he was there for? Uh, he was there for Andy Wu's wedding. Yeah, it's hogging the the photo with the the groom, <laughs> the bride and groom. Yes, of course. He probably left right after that picture happened. That I assume he showed up. They took the picture and then he left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, I mean, I mean, probably like some of the rest. It said like some of the Wrestle One guys probably don't even believe Muno's retiring. <laughs> no, but, and they they <laughs> because know, he isn't. I yeah, mean. They, as far as Cyberfight knows he is, and he they're gonna he's gonna bring the most amount of money out of them than he can. And they're gonna they're probably gonna do a made like like I said, they should run Tokyo Dome because they can pop a really big house for that. Mm-hmm. But then I'm still not very confident that it's actually going to stick for like yeah. a long time after that. I'm sure we will be back in future episodes to laugh at what Muto is up to next. In, in, I mean, if Muto, if Muto does actually do the big retirement show. And then three three months later, runs like Karkin on like the big, great Muda show or like the KG Muda return show. Then we're definitely gonna like find a way to review that one as well. Oh, definitely for sure. And then to our main event for the GHC Heavyweight Championship, Satoshi Kojima defeated Go Shiozaki in twenty one minutes and eleven seconds with the Western Lariat. Go failed on his first title defense after winning it in the vacant title. I hate shit like this in title histories. It just makes it look bad. Personally, I don't know. And uh, Kojima joins Keiji Muto in a very elite club to be a GHC champion, IWGP champion, Triple Crown champion, and can't forget, NWA World's heavyweight champion. Yeah, but Kojima is actually better than him. 
Oh. Because he is also, he was also MLW world champion as well, which is not something that Keiji Muto can say. No, he can't. So, so who is the real Grand Slam champion here? <laughs> Obviously, that means Muto's going to fly over. Beat Hammerstone? Yeah, it's, I, don't I, know think, the I think it's still Hammerstone, yeah. Okay, beat Hammerstone for the title. I mean, or Hammerstone can come to Noah. He's done that before. Yeah. And then they're going to do like title for title. <laughs> um, the match itself, you know what? I really like this. I don't know. Maybe it was just the idea of seeing Kojima and Go sharing the same ring. I thought it was hard hitting. It, it certainly wasn't like as balls out as some like other Go uh, matches, but I don't think that was ever going to be the style. I mean, Kojima is still really great for his fifties, but you're not going to get like a, a Nakajima versus go, or even like a Sugera versus go or a Keno versus go, which I thought were just like insane, like stiff battles, but I don't know. I really like this. I think I was a little higher than most people. I went four and a quarter. It was just a lot of like, ah, like, yeah, this feels like an epic main event with, you know, some limitations. So I don't know. It just it got me on that level, I guess. Yeah, for me, um, I didn't think it was like a match of the year contender or anything like that. It was a solid defense. I think it was a good match overall. It was definitely one of the best matches on the show. Yeah, for me, it's really between uh, this and the DDT eight man. Yeah. Uh, like between uh, for like best match of the show. Uh, yeah, it said like it was a really good kind of hard hitting title defense. Uh, I thought the match had kind of an outside chance of being like a match of the year contender. And as I said, it didn't quite get to that for me. It's still overall delivered. Um, I would have maybe liked Ghost Rain to go a little bit longer, but it was also more more likely than not for me that like Kojima was going to win it as well. Um, because why else? Like, especially like if Kojima is actually going to stick around, um, why else would you bring in Kojima and then just have him lose to Shiozaki immediately? Like, I'm not sure Kojima would agree to that. Like, you probably have to offer him something substantial right? Uh, for him to come in. So it makes sense that he wins the title here. Um, yep. Yeah. What do you think kind of what Kojima's run is going to be kind of going forward with the title? Like, do you think he's like setting up for like a lengthy title reign or is this also going to be a short reign? Like, the I, I don't reign? know. So... I feel like if you're doing if you're doing Keno versus Kojima in the Budokan after Keno feels hot right now, like you gotta kind of have Keno win. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like they're probably paying Kojima a decent amount of money to lure him over, even though he's technically yeah. on loan. And they're doing this whole storyline where Kazuyuki Fujita's like working his way up from like opening matches and like apparently he's been like setting up the ring and stuff before shows like a young boy yeah so like I feel like he's like on the radar of coming up soon so I could just see like Kojima holding it for a couple of months and then losing it to Fujita I could see Keno winning it like I don't have a good feel I could see Kojima losing it to whoever wins the N1 yeah. So I, I, I don't know right now. Like, I, I like, I know maybe it's Noah, so you can like predict the worst, but I don't really have a great handle on it. Like, honestly, I would just, if I were presented a scenario where like, okay, I got to put it on Kojima because that's part of the agreement. And you'll know he'll do business. Mm-hmm. I would just have Ken beat him for it, to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, what I'm wondering maybe because I would assume that Kojima's New Japan contract runs until kind of around the time of the Tokyo Dome show. Yeah. Um, so if they maybe like because this feels like a soft jump where he is just going to be he's going to sign with Noah once his New Japan contract expires, where you might want to have him hold the belt when he announces that he signed. That could actually see them keeping the title on him all the way until kind of the January shows. Oh, and that, then maybe have yeah. the announcement that he signed. And then maybe he loses the belt after that. Maybe. Um, I do think maybe that the most likely version here is that he loses it to whoever wins the N1. Personally, I would also say he should drop it to Keno because Keno just feels hard. I think Keno yep. is also a proven draw. Yep. So I think he just really feels like a guy that you should put the title on right now. I think this really feels like a very solid choice. You can always figure something else out to do with Kojima. I think him just being there like is that you can do something meaningful with him without really needing the title. But it would also still feel very weird to have two failed first defenses as well. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's par for the course with Noah these days. All the titles are hot yeah. potatoes, all of them. Yeah, I mean, to some degree. I mean, it is also the fact that, like, whoever's the next champion is the 40th champion. So, like, that's a round number. So, right. I don't know if that's something that factors in for them when, when they're booking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I don't know. It, it is something very, like, to get a really good grasp on. Because we also don't know how long-term this kind of plan was. Because, obviously, like, this was not supposed to be Go Shiozaki versus Kojima. Right. It was supposed to be uh, Fujita versus Kojima, I guess. And then oh. would have would, would have Kojima beaten Fujita? Wasn't the plan supposed to be Fujita versus Mudo at the Budokan? At the Budokan, yeah. But and I think at that point Mudo would have been national champion, and they would have done title for title. Yeah. Which again is also kind of because. Since Mudo has gotten injured, Funaki has basically just spun his wheels with the national title where they haven't really figured anything out to do with that title. Uh, he's got a defense upcoming that we'll get to in a second. But uh, yeah. other than that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't completely have a good feel on it. And I feel like whatever I predict, Noah will do something different <laughs> in this case. I mean, maybe they will just put it on Kaito. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Fingers crossed. They're going to put it on Ka- Nakajima. <laughs> <laughs> That would be the that would legitimately be the most that would legitimately be the most unexpected thing if they well, actually put it on Nakajima. Look, the funny thing is, given how many old people you were relying on in this company, you could I could foresee a situation where they're like, "Shit, we don't have anyone. Let's put it on Nakajima." Yeah, I mean that's maybe unlikely, but I don't think that would be the most insane thing to ever happen in wrestling. I mean, the thing is, like, they're gonna do. Keno, right? So, because I feel like they're also going to have, because if he gets past Keno, I feel like they're definitely going to give him like a, a like a filler title defense against Tadaguchi. Hmm. I just, you think, okay. Because they obviously, like, they want to do something with Tadaguchi. Right. And this feels like something where they're going to run with, like, Kojima versus Tadaguchi for, like, a Korokan or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Something small. Yeah. No, I mean, you're not running like Budokan. Or... I mean, <laughs> yeah. they also have the big Ariake show as well. In November, I think? Yeah. 
That's funny because isn't that when the same month as the Stardom New Japan show at Ariaki? Yes, yes. Yeah, so it is around. Be... They are close to each other, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, so obviously, like they're going to need like a big match to draw for that as well. Yeah, definitely. And since it is kind of like because they're somewhat selling it as like it's not the same arena, but it's like they're trying to invoke like the spirit of the Defa Ariaki. So yeah. That would also maybe be like a place for like Kojima to lose the title to like a Noah guy where it's like, oh, you're in the spiritual home of like the birthplace of Noah. Right. And here, and I think I the, mean, if they're going to put it back on, then we would be like, put it back on go. I think it's, I think the N1 ends in September, but it starts yeah. in August. So I assume that the Ariaki main event is N1 versus GHC. N1 winner versus the GHC champ? Maybe. I mean, that's quite a bit of a time distance, but I, I mean, yeah. the G1 winner doesn't get the title shot for like a couple of months, so yeah, that's Noah worse. can definitely yeah. like hold off for like a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So um, I guess we'll mention overall thoughts and uh, presentation. I will say I, didn't, I thought last year's uh, Cyberfight Festival was better uh, overall, um, but I thought the production in this was incredible. Um, we yeah we didn't mention it yet but Keno coming out is basically looking like a super saiyan with his hair and those dancers dressed up as like robots or whatever with like red led lights uh mentioned shoko's entrance but go shiozaki's like ancient roman oh, entrance God, that was amazing. he felt like the biggest fucking star in all professional wrestling like really yeah no that was legitimately that was like a top five all-time entrance absolutely absolutely like Incredible. the way he like played his like the orchestral version of his theme as well. Like literally felt like a Roman emperor is like descending from his throne With to take a on a challenge. Like he actually like the Roman, like a Roman gladiatorial emperor stepping into the ring. Yeah. The cape, the cape that was yeah, as the long cape. as the ramp. Yes. God, that, 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 that shot from above from... with the yeah. cape discovering the entire entrance ramp. Yeah. Was just amazing. Like Daisuke Sasaki's entrance was also tremendous, where he, where they had this kind of oh, Keno right. playing actor, and then Sasaki just steps over the corpse of Keno <laughs> to get yeah, into the ring, like a, and he carries like, like a cross. Zombies and everything like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm not like a zombie person or anything, so I thought Keno's was better, but yeah, I could see oh, how yeah. people digging that style would love uh, Sasaki's entrance. Yeah, the one uh, thing I will say that I didn't think that Keno's entrance was really like a Saiyan, like it didn't really get that vibe for me. Like to me, this felt more like a Power Rangers thing or something. Right. Like that. I don't know. The hair I just sort of, of I thought Super Saiyan from the hair. Yeah. But it's funny because over the course of the match, it reverted to its normal style. Yeah. And then he was back to normal when he came out to challenge Kojima. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he did like yeah, he, enough yeah. time to rush backstage, wash and dry his hair and <laughs> calm it back into its normal style. <laughs> like that's dedication. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, got to dedicate. Yeah. Keno probably takes very good care of his hair. Yeah, what um, I will just say generally about the show is like, yeah, I also like last year's match better because like last year's had that amazing tag match. It was like a legitimate match of the year contender. And I don't think there was anything even getting close to that on this show. Mm-hmm. What I will say though is that I would actually consider, like despite the fact that there was no match of the year contender on the show, that this show overall to me is a show of the year contender simply because of the spectacle of it all. Like, oh, the I think you can get that argument. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was not there was only one like bad match on the show. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, I also feel like the Noah versus DDT six man would have been amazing. If, oh. I mean, here's the thing, like, obviously it didn't end up being a good match, but like, just because of how memorable it is, like in a way that, in a like, I have seen people say it hurts the show, but it actually doesn't to me because there's just no. so much buzz around it as well that yeah. it probably wouldn't have gotten if it had just been a really good six-man tag match. Yeah, for sure. And oh, one thing I noticed on the show I wanted to bring up, no Yusuke Koda, o- Okada booked. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Couldn't make even make the pre-show. Yeah, it's just really seems to be his fate to like wherever he is, he just never gets booked. Like it's just incredibly like he should act. You know, you know who actually should form a tag team. The two Okadas should form a tag team. Maybe that will get them booked. Or maybe they jump. They jump. They jump to New Japan and they make an Okada stable. <laughs> I just because it... that that will just force a promotion to put them in bigger matches. Because obviously New Japan is still going to put Kazuchika Okada. So then they. If they have to Okada stable, they have to put the other two Okadas in like meaningful matches. It worked for Yoshihashi. Yeah. I just thought, um, I thought Akiyama would, I mean, okay. So he got a universal title shot. He got a tag title shot with Akiyama. I just thought Akiyama would like give him a certain level of protection that would at yeah. least make him appear on the show. But I don't know. He didn't do that in all Japan either though. So. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, but I'm actually wondering. It's not really if... bad for him when Akiyama left. That was yeah. Crazy. I mean, what I would actually wonder, like, I mean, we're going to talk about that later as well, because yeah. there seem to have been some changes yeah. at All Japan, how he would actually do if he were to, like, be there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it actually could do well if uh, a yeah. certain booker uh, wouldn't bury him. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is, any other thoughts on the show before we move on? Uh, no, I think actually spent a lot of time on it so i know yeah well it was it was an eventful show yeah um so on the lead up uh to um cyber fight festival there were two cork and hall shows from noah on the seventh and eighth don't want to get into them because it was all like multi-man tags mostly i'll just say i enjoyed the match between satoshi kojima and manabu soya was a fine like hard-hitting like hoss match and then of course there was the triangle gate matches right which i think were the biggest thing on the shows yeah, uh, I thought the trying to get matches like overall they were solid, but like we're gonna get into like a bit more of like all of that when we preview the upcoming shows. Yeah. So on the seventh, um, it was uh, Yoshinari Ogawa, Seki Yoshioka, and Yuya Susumu defeating Eita Kotaro Suzuki and Nosawa Ranga in, in twelve minutes with a buzzsaw kick um, from Yoshioka on Nosawa. So they won the titles, became the seventy ninth Open the Triangle Gate champions. And then the next night. Daisuke Harada, Atsushi Kotoge, and Yohei defeated Yoshinari Ogawa, Seki Yoshioka, and Yuya Susumu in 1404 with uh, the Karayama German suplex uh, from Harada on Yoshioka uh, for the title switch, and they've become the 80th Open the Triangle Gate champions. Paul, you I should like... have won that match with a monkey flip. Yes. <laughs> um, I like the second Triangle Gate match better. I think that shouldn't be too controversial yeah no uh i thought that was a really strong match um yeah. i mean <laughs> but also apparently was seki yoshioka's last match as a stinger member i guess maybe it's really unclear always what is happening with that faction like, yeah because everyone just seems to leave that faction and then never actually does it but yeah i mean at least that was like a big way to go out on as a stinger member i guess 
Yeah. And so going forward, uh, Noah gets back into shows on uh, June 19th uh, in Kobe at Kobe Sambo Hall. Paul, this match immediately stuck out to me. It's listed as the opening match. Mohamed Yone and Alexander Atsuka versus <laughs> Shuhei Taniguchi and Kenya Okada. Uh, we have some battle arts power in the opening match, and I'm really excited for it. And I think yep. Taniguchi and Okada are great opponents for them. Oh, yeah. No, I think this match should actually be pretty good. Uh, my, not my problem, but my issue with Otsuka always is that like all of the battle arts memories are overridden. Like the old, like the very first thing I will always think of when I think Alexander Otska for now and forevermore is when he had a match in all Japan a couple of years back against Tajiri. I think it was actually a Gaiara TV title match. Um, where Tajiri blew brown mist up oh, Alexander God. Otska's ass when he had his tights pulled down, and oh, someone I took a photo of that. Yes, yes, I do remember this. Yeah. And that is just forever burned into my mind when I think of him. Like, Got yes, it. a great, great technical wrestler. But also there's that time someone took a photo where it looked like he shed into Tajiri's mouth. So. <laughs> oh, God. Um, other matches involved. Yohan Extreme Tiger versus Kotoge and Alejandro. This could be fun. Kazuchi Sakuraba versus Simon Gotch. I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, Yoshinari Ogawa and Yusuzumu versus Seki Yoshioka and Kai Fujimura. Uh, non-title match, Hayata versus Hajime Ohara. We've got Go, Shiozaki, Michael Elgin, Masakitami, and, and Yoshiki Inamura versus Tak- Takashi Sugera, Timothy Thatcher, Rene Dupree, and El Hio de Dr. Wagner Jr. And then the GHC national title, uh, Masakatsu Funaki defending against Masato Tanaka because Tanaka had pinned Funaki in a tag match in a previous show. That could be an interesting styles clash, I think, but obviously yeah. it'll probably be another 10 minutes or less affair I assume Funaki retains and then the main event of that so is uh, Satoshi Kojima, Kaito Kiyomiya and uh, Daiki Inaba and oh sorry Daiki Inaba Daisuke Harada and Hao versus Keno and the Congo team of Keno, Katsuhiko Nakajima Manabu Soya Tadasuke and Hiroki and then uh, another an innovation show on the 23rd at Yokohama Radiant Hall uh, Extreme Tiger and Alejandro versus Shuji Kondo and Hiroki Yoshinari Ogawa versus Kai Fujimara, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, Yuya Susumu versus Seki Yoshioka. Another open the triangle gate match where it will be Harada, Katoge, and Yohei facing Nosawa, Eita, and uh, Kataro Suzuki. Uh, and this one uh, is interesting. Uh, Noah banishment match, Hao versus Tadasuke. And I don't know what's going on here. This is sort of out of the blue. Um, yeah. Paul, I know in the, 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 the show notes, you have potential landing spots for either man, but let me ask you this. Could this be a setup to a stagger Lee slash midnight rider angle? That could also be the case. So that seems like that in either the of them is going to go under a mask. Noah booking this, right? Yeah. Someone's going under a mask. I would assume if I'm, someone goes under a mask, it's how. <laughs> Probably, yeah, because Tadasuke actually said that like he didn't want to have a hair match because he's he likes his hair too much, so he doesn't want to put it on the line. That's why they're booking this stipulation instead. Um, yeah, maybe that's actually a thing. Uh, I hadn't actually thought of that angle because to me it's like, could this be a thing where like I would hate to see him leave, but if Tadasuke actually goes back to uh, to Osaka Pro, 
Yeah, that's where possible. He might be finishing up and he's going back to Osaka Pro as well. Because that's really kind of the only reason why, like, all of a sudden they're kind of booking this, like, loser leaves Noah match. Mm-hmm. Um, in Osaka Pro, I would put Tadasuke in the mix of that heavyweight title that Zeus has, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think he would fit in really well there. Like, but I would just hate to see him leave Noah because I've actually yeah. really enjoyed him this year. Yes. I think for how, like, I don't really think there's a reason for him to leave Noah because there's no. no real, like, landing spot. No, he's lucky because he's, like, an yeah. indie guy that gets into a company like Noah. Right. Yeah, I can't exactly. Say wanting like, to leave. Well, maybe, but you know, just yeah. unlikely to me, it seems that way. I mean, I mean, they have pushed him decently though this year. Oh, so, I thought like, so, I don't yeah. really think that would be like a reason for him to leave. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, if he were to leave, like, I don't know, like something like All Japan, I think he would be a tremendous addition to that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't really see a reason for them. Like, I don't really see a reason for either man to leave. That's why I'm well, so I mean, baffled you, you by have, this. But you've written like, will there be a finish? And yeah, I agree. because that, that's, that's what possible. I'm thinking. Where yeah. like there, there is just going to be like Congo interference, and then there's just going to be uh, like, like just a fucked finish, yep. and that's how they get out of it. Absolutely. So, but I actually kind of like the idea as well, where they're just going to put How under a mask, and then they're going to continue that feud that way as well. Where it's like how basically plays like Mr. America and then <laughs> yeah. just like takes off the masks, like looks at the crowd and just trashes them, but like Tadasuke has his back turned and stuff like that. Um so I think those are like really kind of the options. Like either there is no finish, uh there is kind of a midnight rider angle, or I would say Tadasuke loses because I just don't see a reason at all for how to lose. Because at least with Tadasuke there's like the off chance he wants to go back to Osaka Pro, but I just don't see that as like like it's just very weird. Yeah. And then uh, the only other thing, and or sorry, the main event is for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Title: Hayata versus Hajime Ohara. I assume Hayata retains. This is like the one time I'm actually cheering for Hayata. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I mean, regardless of everything else about Ohara, he just they don't book him like that anyway. No. Right. No. Like he's so. the he's more or less the lowest guy in Congo. And so, you know, that's certainly one uh, thing that takes less uh, bad attention off of Noah by just keeping him uh, hidden in the undercard. Um, The one thing Noah definitely does not need is more controversial champions. Yes. And so the only other thing uh, announced beyond that is at the Budokan on uh, July 16th, Kojima versus Keno. Uh, And so, Paul, before we move over into All Japan... I have a quick new segment for you, and I'm going to call it Cheers and Jeers, where for cheers, I congratulate someone for a major accomplishment. And for jeers, I sort of say, you know, put someone down for being stupid. Uh, So I say uh, cheers to Filthy Tom Lawler for making it into the G1 Climax. He has worked very hard, and he certainly deserves it for all of the hard work he's done as New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. Paul, do you think... You know who's getting the jeers. I think I know where this is going. Yes, okay. I. Is this, about, is this about a certain large uh, Korean man? Yes, jeers to Jake Lee for making <laughs> an absolute fool of himself for not getting into the G1 climax by constantly trying to say I'm going to be, I should be in the G1 climax. I want to be in the G1 climax, and continuing this um, is that he's still talking about facing Tanahashi in the media i mean maybe that's something they have planned for the anniversary show which maybe. is really being generous <laughs> maybe like i thought about that but the g1 stuff still makes him look like a geek yes. even if he does yes. face tanahashi 
yes it, it does like it it like you just kind of need to stop at some point like th- now there's definitely better payoff because like he just looks like a double geek if he then also doesn't face Tanahashi ever yeah like at some point you just kind of have to like stop shooting your own angles like like you just have to realize like look well just we'll not talk about someone you. else in the she's company who's not that into you it's funny because we're, we're going to talk about someone else in all japan who was running their own angles to great success i mean that kind of in a way shows the power structure as well doesn't it because yes someone I... got his wish and someone didn't <laughs> now to be fair <laughs> what Yuma was trying to accomplish probably is also significantly easier than Jake Bond getting a slot in the G1. Yes, definitely. But nevertheless, Yuma got his way. Yep. That's for sure. Um, but I guess maybe cheers to Yuma Aoyagi. I mean, we're going to talk about it later. But Yes, also he, cheers to He Yuma. shot his own angle and managed to turn that into a work. And a hot angle too. Yeah. And got a lot of attention. And so, okay, so on June 6th, um, there was a show at uh, Shin Yuri Geoka uh, 21 Hall. Um, not going to go through every match, but um, in the Geara TV title match, in a three-way, Izanagi defeated Shigehiro Irie in Black Mental Rain eight minutes and eight and eight minutes exactly. Now it's listed in the results as as um, Mental Rain taking the pin, but what happened was like Irie and Mental Rain were like sort of like. I don't know, connected or something. I think Irie had him in a hold and then Izanagi like tipped them both over and it looked like they both got pinned. I don't know. Yeah. Is that what it looked like to you? Did you see it? Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of confused at the finish as well. Like I'm also not 100% certain what actually happened. I mean, it was clear that Izanagi got the win, I suppose, because yeah. he was on top. But yeah, it was like, it definitely seemed like he was pinning both of them rather than just Mensure. So I guess... Yeah. Prorolov in this case just I not to be fair, I don't I do think they probably listed it like that on the All Japan website. They did, yeah. So yeah. Um some protection. It was definitely a weird finish. Like I, not quite because I actually really liked Eerie's title reigns. I'm not oh, yeah, happy yeah. that it ended in this kind of comedy way. I, I think also it gone very longer. much expected it to yeah, I, I very much expected it to go on after this as well. Like yeah, when this exactly. match was booked, I was like, ah yeah, he's just gonna like it's gonna be like a quick way for him to like maybe he's gonna pin like both of them didn't expect Anasnagi to get to do- get a double pin here but yeah I don't know like, I'm not even sure what they're gonna do with this Izanagi title reign like this like it just comes out of nowhere as well because well, like, we'll, they didn't we'll really do anything with the direction that they're immediately going in which is yeah. also very interesting um like I actually had a feeling that they would like but I guess that's always been a problem with the Gero TV title anytime it seems like they're doing something with it they're just dragging it right back down to comedy status and it's so interesting because I thought Izanagi was just like just doing nothing and like he yeah. was gonna leave I said that on yeah. the show it's like Izanagi's yeah. taking a lot of falls he's not doing anything there's no purple haze anymore like would it shock me if he left all Japan yeah you know but no, he's and now around. he's a champion so yeah In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um, uh, semi-main event, which I liked, so I'll just mention it. Suwama and Minoru. Tanaka brackets <laughs> defeated Hikaru Sato and Dan Tamara in 13 minutes and seven seconds when Suwama pinned a Tamara with the backdrop. I thought this was good. Um, yeah. For, I, they're I, just beating the shit out of Dan as well. Yeah. But it makes it uh, so sympathetic. Think, it's a good yeah. way to get Dan over if you ask me. Yes. That, that's actually exactly what I thought when I was watching this, where it actually feels like so far the Suwama heel turn actually has been an interesting way of elevating Dan. Yes, definitely. Because he wasn't doing anything before that. And now he is like this valiant baby. Like he's getting overpowered still. But like he is just getting a lot of sympathy from the crowd because he is just going through a gauntlet. Like his back looked disgusting. Yeah. Like what was that again? Like there was like the board that he hit them with, right? That left its like massive bruise on his back. Yes. Yeah. Like that looked nasty. Like you could literally see like the individual butts on that. Yeah. And then in the um, main event, uh, I'll talk about the angle in a second, but it was Jake Lee and Yuma Aoyagi. It was called the Triple Crown Skirmish. Their reluctant team defeated Kento Miyahara and Atsuki Aoyagi in 19 minutes and 10 seconds when Yuma pinned Atsuki after the Fool. I thought this was really great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a great build to the um, the title match, and Atsuki looked incredible. He's like almost like the MVP workhorse of these shows recently. <laughs> uh, I thought just awesome stuff from him, and built up the match well. So go out of your way to see this match because before the match, and Paul, this show started at five thirty a.m. my time, so I was sleeping when the show started because I thought, okay, I'll watch it later. It looks fun. The main event looks great. Paul, I wake up. <laughs> and I, I i'm freaking out paul because this is like the moment that i've been waiting for and i never thought would happen <laughs> after december and I'm, I'm i'm punching the air and everything paul my favorite wrestler in the whole entire world naoya nomura has come back to all japan yes and, with and he's Mizuki here to stay Wakasa. question mark <laughs> well yeah we'll get to that um but he came in because also paul has Yuma set a very bad precedent of cyberbullying and what it can accomplish? I mean, and that uh, just after Japan passed the cyberbullying laws. I well. know. Um, so, yeah, but to be fair, like, I, I would definitely say, like, when they started this out and you, like, this was very much, it felt like Yuma just kind of doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, I guess him and Nomura just had a long chat and, Something definitely changed here. Something changed between December and now. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's not, and it's also obvious, I think, as well. I And I don't think this was a one big elaborate yeah. angle because the company no. needs Nomura. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't just mean that something changed for Nomura. I think also something changed within the company. Yeah. Because Nomura left and then there were the reports that like Yuma Iyagi had like spoken up and like voiced some. Yeah, like, he was in the media talking about it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And since then, him and Atsuki haven't gotten a shitload of merch. He's won the champion carnival. And the booking style has changed as well. So either there's someone new, there's some new voice in the booking room. And I don't know if that is you more, if that is someone else, or someone in that booking room has significantly changed their style as well. Mm-hmm. Or gotten significantly more like sway within the booking room. Because like it really kind of since the end... Of the Champion Carnival, they've basically pressed this like massive reset button. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's when they started doing like these constant angles and just also like really trying to like elevate like more the young guys as well, like putting them in like prominent spots and everything. Yeah. Because it probably wouldn't have been that long ago where like this match, for example, it would have been like Jake Lee and Savama versus Kento and Yuma instead. Yeah. Instead of being Jake Lee and Yuma versus Kenta and Atsuki. Mm-hmm. Or Dan being in the semi-main. Or Hokuto and uh, Hayato getting a singles match on the show. Like, that's not how they booked previously. So, like, there's very clearly a change in booking patterns. And I think maybe, like, Yuma showing all of that to Nomura might have also changed Nomura's mind as well. and might have addressed some of the issues that he has had in the past as well. Yeah. Well, which is sort of interesting because Nomura never really got hit by the bad booking during the pandemic because he was injured no. the whole time. And he Well, to wa- be fair, I mean, he personally wasn't, but like he was like a member of Jin, which was a very promising stable that went nowhere. Well, that's sure in part because of his injury. That. In part because yeah. of his injury. Yes. Uh, so, but yes, obviously there's been changes and probably well perhaps the fact that uh a certain um person in ddt did not seem to have given a phone call to nomura 
might yeah. have something to do with that. Well, I don't know what actually happened, but the fact that Nomura didn't pop up in anything bigger than Genbare seems to me a sort of sign of maybe why he has shown up in all Japan. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. But I mean, he was kind of off for a year, so I'm sure he probably put out feelers like before he came back from injury, who would, because he probably like, like he obviously knew that he wasn't going to extend his co- contract. So I don't know if at that time, maybe people were like at least telling him that maybe they're interested and that's why he decided. And then, but then those offers never materialized after he left. Right. So it could really be a combination that like offers that he thought might've been coming his way never came. Yeah. But also that there seems to have been a change in all Japan that might, because again, this happened so quickly. Yeah. Like that's the thing as well, maybe because if Nomura is like, well, okay, this happened, didn't happen within six months, but maybe I'm just going to keep working. And then maybe if nothing happens by the new year, I can consider coming back to all Japan. But the fact that it happened this quickly, like that tells me that it's not just him getting good offers is why he's coming back. Because he yeah. probably could have held out for like a couple of more months, holding out hope that maybe he does get an offer or he gets a DDT offer. And DDT or could use an a... extra body right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah, maybe now DTT is like, hey, Nomura, <laughs> you want to come in now? <laughs> so maybe that might have changed his mind. Maybe they're going to change their mind now, but maybe. But I mean, if, if I'm, well, I mean, obviously, Naomi Nomura is obviously going to have a higher ceiling than Yusuke Okada, but it could still give him pause. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah, because obviously, like, when Okada was having like universal title matches, that DDT probably seems like an attractive landing space. And then when Burning formed with Akiyama, he was like, I mean, he's probably going to get a spot in Burning if he actually went to DDT. Yeah. But the fact that Okada hasn't done anything at all pretty much since then. Yeah. Probably was also like, well, I'm not, like, how am I gonna, actually going to get booked better in DDT? He, he'll be taking the falls in tag title matches teaming with Akiyama. Yeah. You know. That's I, what I could see of no more if he'd went there. I mean, I mean but I mean, we're, we're speculating that this means oh, yeah, he's actually back permanently. Like this might also just be like a one-off for the anniversary show. And then he's going to DDT after that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't, I, I got it. Cause I want to get so excited in, in that, but I know mm-hmm. that I shouldn't, but it just, just seems to me strange that like, if he's not in DDT yet, why isn't mm-hmm. he yet? Right. Yeah. I mean, the only thing for me is like, is this going to lead to a Yuma Aoyagi Naoya Nomura singles match? Yes. At, well, I don't know when. At the but... anniversary. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, that yeah. means Yuma isn't in a title match on the anniversary. Right. Um, well, well, I think we can get into some of those scenarios in a second. Um, yeah. But I thought the angle was well done. I'm yes, curious no, the if... angle was great. Like, it's yeah. also immediately just felt like a really hot angle, like with Hokuto being involved in that as well. Yeah, and then which like... that was interesting as well that he got involved in that. Yeah, well, that sets it up. But also, like, to make it like it was a shoot brother, like <laughs> Shuji and Takao Mori came out from the back yes. to like break yes. them up and everything like that. Right? Like, oh, this is unplanned and unexpected type thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so adding to that, I'm just curious if Mizuki Watase ends up um, wrestling in all Japan at all. I mean, that would be a nice addition as well. Yeah. I mean, and the now bold Watase as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was the big thing coming out of that show, which, you know, was a great moment for me. I can't tell you how happy I am. Oh, like, I'm... The, the 
best thing to happen in wrestling for me in a long time, honestly. Like, I, I really hope this is just him permanently coming back to all Japan. Like I mean, it felt weird when he left when he came back from injury. He he will get the most, like, he's, he's probably guaranteed, maybe they will hold something against him for leaving, but I still think his highest ceiling is still probably in this company mm-hmm. of anywhere yeah. else. And I mean, look, as, as someone that actually like left a company in my shoe shop and then came back after like two months, like there's no shame in actually admitting that maybe your photographs was greener on the other side and then just actually the other side didn't turn out to be so good. And then you just come back. Right. And like, I found like a really great new arrangement with my job as well. So like, like sometimes like people like sometimes you just come back and like everyone is like let by, bygones be guy bygones and let's just i'm get sure back on track i'm sure like, especially yuma, the fact if you come back this quickly as well yeah well i'm sure yuma wants bygones to be bygones i think yes I and if he actually does have like more influence in the booking room now like like i don't know if that's a fact like i just like it just definitely feels there's like a younger voice there now. Or there might be him, maybe it's someone else, but yeah. they're at least listening to him in his ideas. Yes. Like he definitely he definitely is like a major player in the promotion that has influence at the they, very least. Because they are fucked if the AO Yagis leave. <laughs> yes. Especially now that they're selling all of their merch. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, that new Yuma shirt looks great as well. Oh yeah, the fool like tarot yeah. card style, yeah. and then like the Aoyagi Brothers skincare products. <laughs> this seems to be a really big thing now. Yeah, and I need to get some next time in Japan. I guess, Paul, this ties into what we're talking about. Do you think Koji Iwamoto comes back in January after his quote-unquote hiatus or sabbatical? After if if there's if there's been changes. If there have been changes, yeah, maybe. Actually, I had completely forgotten about Iwamoto. I mean, he has kind of opened his own gym now, right? Right. So, I mean, it depends maybe how well that's going, if he's willing to, like, come back full time. I mean, he has actually stuck true to just not wrestling in that year, because I actually thought this might just be a play for him to, like, jump somewhere. Well, he's technically contracted, I believe. Yeah. But maybe, yeah, if there actually have been changes, then... Maybe he is also willing to come back. And maybe they are actually willing to make him like a proper heavyweight and actually push him as a heavyweight now as well. Yeah. Because I think that was his main issue was that they were just kind of keeping him on the undercard as a heavyweight and he didn't really want to be like a junior anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see that. I just, that sort of, my mind was like, well, if the company's changing, maybe some people that had previously left might be open to returning type of thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe just briefly while we're talking about new merch, did you see uh, Jake Lee's prostate exam shirt? I did. Uh, Smell the glove. Uh, (laughs) It's just a shirt that says something about like madness or king of madness or I don't know. And it's like his like red glove, like pointing up in the air. I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Like a prostate exam glove or something. Yeah. From a doctor. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Jake. Oh my God. He, very, he more than anyone seems to have lost quite a bit of stock recently uh you know it's funny because i think he's actually been doing pretty well in the ring late recently yeah. but just the things around him with the g1 and the merch designs yeah. are not and it also seems to be people passing him by in the promotion as well like especially oh. if namora is actually back yeah proper like he's probably low right past jake so like he's like at best number four yeah and like he's probably still behind Suwama, so and he would be like number five. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, like I is guess he's still ahead of Ashino, maybe. Like then he and then he's already down to sixth. 
We'll we'll see. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we'll have get a better idea after uh, the Oda Ward Gym show, actually. Yeah. Um, so and then on June twelfth, uh, just before uh, Cyberfight Festival, there was a Cork and Hall show that drew nine hundred and ninety nine fans, which I thought was a pretty damn good number for them, yeah. considering what the show was. But that um, one guy that probably stood in front of Cork and Hall and then didn't decide to go, like, shame on you, could have gotten <laughs> to a thousand. Yeah. Still the highest, their highest attendance since the pandemic began uh, in Corrigan Hall. So I think that's just a sign of momentum for the company. And yeah. then one Especially next- because it was more or less a nothing show. Like it was a good show, but there was nothing like, there was no like big mat, like big title match on the show. Yeah. Uh, so the first round, six-man tournament, Takuya Nomura, uh, Fuminor Abe, and Kosuke Sato of Big Japan defeated Hikaru Sato, Dan Tamar, and Ryo Inoue in seven minutes and 45 seconds. The crab hold on, from Nomura on Inoue. Great match, uh, but I can't rave about it because I thought it should have been in like five minutes longer. It would have been incredible. It's like one of yeah. those matches. It's like, oh, yeah, that's no, it? I, w- I was definitely very impressed by the match as well. I thought generally that Nomura Abe team. I mean, obviously that was super fun. Like, I mean, it's astronauts. How yeah. could it not be good? And then Sato, I think, was like great as kind of the underdog guy in there as well. Uh, yeah, no, I thought this this was one of the best matches of like I thought the entire tournament was actually really good. Yes, but I was definitely like this was like the perfect opener to me. Yeah, and then the other round one match: uh, Yoshitatsu Tajiri and Black Menso Ray, like the team of geeks, defeated Takao Mori. Arata from just tap out and an ATM who I think that's Carbell Ito in a new gimmick, right? I mean, is that a tongue in cheek gimmick? Cause I was also like, he looks like Carbell Ito, but that also seems very on the nose that Carbell Ito now literally has the gimmick of being the ATM. So ATM is exactly what it sounds. It's a masked yeah. guy and his like tights have like money bills on them. And he's got one of those money guns that shoot bills yeah. out of them. And he was handing out envelopes to people in the crowd. Yes. At one point, he handed an envelope to the referee, and the referee did like a fast count. <laughs> but, but I think it was Black Mensa he managed to kick out before. Yeah. So, and that got a laugh from the crowd. So, yeah, he's like the money. Yeah. That's a. He is the money. He's literally the money man. He's literally yeah. the guy handing bills, <laughs> handing out bills. Yeah. Like, it feels very honorable. Like, it's fun. <laughs> so, maybe yeah. he just doesn't want to do the topi anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, fair enough. You're 53 or something, so yeah. I, I get it. And then uh, the six-man uh, tournament semifinal, the still as of unnamed uh, team, uh, Shotaro Ashino, Ryuki Honda, and Seiko Tachibana defeated Takuya Nomura, Fuminori Abe, and Kosuke Sato in 10 minutes and 27 seconds with an ankle lock uh, from Ashino on Sato. Again, another really fun match. Um, I don't think there was anything else to say with it. Like These are just like sprints, everybody coming in and doing their thing, right? But yeah. they're all solid. Yeah, I think this one was actually my favorite match of the show. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. No, uh, oh, no not, of, not of the show. No, sorry. Not of the show, but of the tournament. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I thought this yeah, it was just a really fun sprint. Uh, also, like, everyone in the match, which really helps, too. Uh, no, I thought it was just a great effort by everyone. The other semifinal, T-Hawk, Shigehiro, Irie, and Issei Onitsuka defeated Yoshitatsu, Tajiri, and Black Men's Reign 10 with a cannonball uh, from Irie on Mensa Ray, but just before, like, you know, the corner cannonball that Irie does. But just before that, it was like T-Hawk and uh, Onitsuka hit like a double night ride on, um, on Mensa Ray. Um, yeah, this was like a three, three and a quarter match, but I will just say that I thought Stronghearts, like, basically carried the other team to like a fun match basically right this is an incredible carry job by uh, stronghearts 
Yeah. I mean, I think Tata Tajiri and like Mensare like did it well overall, but like there's a very clear gap and like in ring ability. Yeah. Uh, in this match and like oh I mean and obviously the strong hearts team is also just like more experienced working with each other so that definitely helped them uh, but yeah as I said it was a really good carry job by them and they managed to turn it into a fun match and in the all Asia tag team championship match uh, Hokuto Omori and Yusuke Kodama defeated Asuki Aoyagi in rising Hayato in 12 minutes 11 seconds with Omori pinned Hayato after the Muso Isen for their fifth successful defense uh, I thought this was a really good match. It could have been given a few more minutes, even like 15, 16 minutes. I think it would have still been even better. Um, I was kind of surprised that uh, Total Eclipse retained here. Yeah, I was very surprised with that booking as well. I didn't really expect it. I was like, like especially because Aoyagi and Hayato actually had like a poll on Twitter on what their team name was oh, right. going to yes. be. Next Stars. Yeah, Next Stars, which. Okay. Um, but I mean, the fact that they have a team name now and everything kind of to me was like the tip of that they were going to win, but yeah. then they didn't. Um, I guess maybe they want to keep Omori strong because he's going to have a match with Nomura. So but... do you think uh, this is a foreshadowing to like Atsuki leaving next stream and joining back up with Yuma? Maybe, yeah. If they found like a new faction, that could be something. But I mean, especially because they're like, why you do go through the whole thing of like getting a team name and then immediately breaking the team up? That is just yeah, very bizarre. That's kind of like that's WWE shit. It's like <laughs> fucking like Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre getting a team name on the same show that they're breaking up on. Right. Um. So that would be very weird. But the match itself, I thought was great. This was very easily the best match on the show, and I actually went four stars. And my hot take actually is that this was better than any match on Cyberfight Festival. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was... really, I really loved this match. I thought it was just like great, like just like really fun, like fast-paced kind of tag match, like just juniors flying all around the ring. Like everyone, like a f- this more than anything was kind of like a future showcase as well. And, like, not just a future showcase, because, like, these guys are, like, they're really developing, like, into established workers now. This isn't just, yeah. like, guys showing off on, like, the people that they can become, but actually showing that they've kind of arrived now and that they're, like, players to be taken seriously on the roster. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're spot on with that. And as for as whether or not it's the right decision, I will say, I guess it depends if they're doing an angle where, like, sort of Atsuki and Hayato, like, drift apart, then I think it'll be fine. but. If not, then they should have just belted them, I thought. Yeah, because I think they're ready for it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, I think at least one of them is going to win. Like, maybe both of them, maybe if they're staying together as a team, but, like, at least one of them, I think, is going to win this belt before the year is over. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, and I mean, we're both still in agreement that it's still most likely the case that Aoyagi is going to win the junior title at the anniversary show. Yeah, for sure. And then in the six-man tournament final, Stronghearts team of T-Hawks, Shigehiro Irie, and Issei Onatsuka defeated Shotara, Shino, Ryuki Honda, and Seiko Tachibana in 16 minutes when T-Hawk pinned Tachibana after the last ride, but not before chopping the shit out of Tachibana. Oh, God. If you look at Tachibana's Twitter, he got his chest ground into meat real good uh, from this match. I thought this, this was my match of the show, actually. Um, just incredible stuff strong hearts awesome you know i mean t-hawk was great here i thought um 
So yeah, um, my match of the show. And it was cool because you don't see this in Japanese wrestling very much anymore, but Strong Heart's got a giant novelty check for winning the tournament. <laughs> yeah. No, we definitely, that, that's all we, I mean, to be fair, we had some of that on Cyberfight Festival. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like on the Tokyo Joshi six-man tag where the winning team won a year's worth of Nivea skin cream. Yes. Oh, yes, or, that's right. Was, that was in the Tokyo yes. Joshi match. Yeah. Or uh, was it like a couple of years ago when Violent Giants won like, a, like uh, what did they win? They won like a vacuum or something? Yes, yes, I remember that. Well, there was also so, a show where yeah. like, um, it's funny because this was in early 2020, but like it was sponsored by like a, some like, like portable air conditioning company. Oh yeah. And then they just had an air was, conditioner in the ring. And then they were using it, but it was funny because Black Tiger 7 was in the match and that's Nosawa. That's slander. You don't know that. Well, okay. <laughs> but it, was it could just be funny. anyone. But it's like, you're, you're like sort of like using the show to promote your product and they're using it as a weapon in the match. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, novelty checks are cool. It was cool when like the winner of the, like the champion carnival in the G1 used to get checks and stuff. Yeah. No, no, no. I think we definitely need, we, we need, if there's something we need more of in wrestling, it's giant novelty tracks. Yeah. And then in the main event uh, for the, like a six man match of previous champion carnival winners, Jake Lee, Yuma Aoyagi, Suji Ishi, uh, Jake Lee, Yuma Aoyagi and Suji Ishikawa defeated Kento Miyahara, Suwama and Minoru Suzuki in 20 minutes and 33 seconds when uh, Lee pinned uh, Miyahara after the D4C, uh, you know, I will say, look, I know, I think there's a lot of people that are tired of Suzuki's shtick. He's, he's just done it so much and everything, but it's still novel to me when he's in all Japan, mixing up with the all Japan guys. Uh, so I can't hate this match. It wasn't anything much. It, it was worked well, like a three and a half star match. Ending was whatever because Suzuki and Suwama end up brawling with each other. And then like Kento's left alone. It's funny when he yells like, Suwama! <laughs> Suzuki and then he proceeds to get like beat up and triple teamed by everyone and then finished off by Jake so you know it set up the award gym show I liked it I'm happy with Suzuki doing stuff in all Japan because it's still the novelty hasn't worn off yet yeah and I think if he's motivated he can also still go as well yeah so I think like if you do like a title defense like Kento versus Suzuki or something like that like I think it's definitely a good idea would they make that the anniversary match? So. Yeah, I think there's a couple of other options for the anniversary match too that we'll get into I just after. I really hope it's Yuma, but there's just other possibilities being set up for that. So uh, Nagata. Nagata is an option. And so you know what like actually... I, I, mentioned, I mentioned on the last show, like Heel Suvama is an option. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's actually, we sort of mentioned this, but Jake Lee versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Triple Crown. <sighs> Um, oh god yeah i don't know you end the anniversary show with a new i mean (laughs) you end the anniversary show with a new japan guy winning that's some noah booking right there um yeah yeah but at least there's a chance that kojima is jumping to noah after his contract expires yes tanahashi isn't jumping to all japan yeah um so champions night four okay actually before we go to the preview i'll just say quick i watched the Jumbo Suda Memorial Show. Very good show. Watch it. Um, uh, the Aoyagi brothers versus uh, T-Hawk and Shuji, Ishi, or sorry, Shingo Takagi. It's fucking awesome. 
the Atsuki versus Shingo sequences in the end sort of recall like Shingo throwing around like the smaller guys in Dragon Gate once upon a time. And the main event was a lot of fun. It was a 30 minute draw, but I thought everyone worked hard. Joe Doring, I thought looked pretty good uh, in that match. So, uh, and then I watched like the match with actually Taichi and Taka versus Suwama and Nagata wasn't bad either. And then you had the angle after the match where like Suwama turns on Nagata and then Dan and, and Hikaru Sato come out and like make uh, a deal to have Nagata come join Evolution. And uh, unfortunately this aired on Samurai TV, so it was clipped. So we only got a couple of minutes of it, but the opening match with Ryo Inoue and um, versus Minoru Tanaka was a lot of fun. So those are sort of my quick um, cyber, or sorry, Jumbo Saruta Memorial Show uh, match notes. And I watched Fortune Dream, but I didn't watch the main event. And that was fun. So you should watch that as well. Um, really good show. Uh, I will when I have the time. Yeah. Um, I will say, I didn't see the main event, but Takanori Ito and Kengo Mashimo versus um, Minoru Suzuki and Takuya Nomura was awesome. I thought that was the best match on the show of that what I saw. That surprised me because that's, that's an awesome lineup. Yeah. But I didn't see the main event, yeah. Uh, so we go to Champions Night 4 preview on June 19th. I am incredibly hyped for this show. I wrote 2,700-word preview at <laughs> VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, about the show because of how excited I am. And I think it's the best top to bottom All Japan card in a long time. Uh, this isn't the official match order, but I think it's more or less how it will go from what we got here. Opening match almost certainly is Ryo Inoue, which is Oji Shiba, who was a Dragon Gate uh, wrestler who and uh, the brother of Katoka, who's now retired, who left Dragon Gate in 2020, got injured, and then had came back late last year he's been in dev pro and tenru project and he had a match on hard hit as well that I oh yes he so. had a match in hard hit yeah. as well and so yeah um paul you're probably more familiar with him than i am but i think mm-hmm. this will be a good opening match yeah uh, i mean shiba generally he's been solid i mean it's like him and Koto, uh, kotoka like they both have the same issue but they're very injury prone um so I think he would be a solid guy to kind of like, if he wants to do more regular all Japan shots, he's definitely a solid guy to bring in, but I don't think he's ever a guy you can actually trust with anything serious because it's just very likely that he is going to get injured as well. Right. Do you think this is a trial match of sorts? I mean, I could have a pretty big it, stage. It, just like, to it be seems got yeah. to be brought in. eh? Yeah. And he, and he has been like doing a bit more regular work. So I could definitely see all Japan be like, okay, let's see what you can do here against a young guy. And then if you like prove yourself, then maybe we'll book you a bit more going forward. Yeah, it, it would be different if this was even like a spot show in a small town yeah. or even a Corican Hall. But it, to give him this in Oda Ward, I think it means something. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he's definitely solid. Like he's not like a blowaway guy. Like if you think like, oh, he's a Dragon Gate trained guy like he's not Takumi Fujiwara let's put it that way mm-hmm. like he was solid when he was in Dragon Gate but he never really was like a guy that like blew me away mm-hmm. but obviously like because he has that Dragon Gate training like he probably like he, he at the very worst he is like going to be solid like he was okay in that hard hit match I mean it wasn't very long it was only like five minutes yeah but he looked good in that one so like at the very least, like you're gonna get add like a solid guy to your undercard. So, like just from that angle, I think he's just a good guy to like just add depth to your roster. For sure. But like, don't expect like anyone like super blow away. 
unless somehow he has found like a next year while he was taking time off. And I just haven't seen that yet. So well, you we'll know, see. I mean, all Japan needs like guys like Shiba to fill up the main yeah. card, right? The oh yeah, no, true. Team. Like e- even, even like just a solid Dragon Gate guy is already going to be like an improve, like an improvement. He's definitely going to be like a good guy on the roster for, for all Japan right now. Yes. Yeah. And then next, this came out of nowhere, but God, this could be like the, I don't know if it'll be as get enough time to surpass what the main event could, but I think it could be the second best match of the show. Yuma Aoyagi versus Suji Kondo. Paul, this is like a dream match that I don't think like people wanted, but or expected, but like, good God, what a match. Yes. So I don't want to be a downer. (laughs) However, what do we think is the result of this match? Because I don't think it's as straightforward as people think. Because okay, well, I the was straightforward thinking... one is that Yuma Aoyagi wins, obviously. Yeah. However, Shuji Kondo has a open the Dream Gate title oh, match coming up. Right, right. Against Kai. Against yes. Kai in the seventh of July, I think. This is a DQ. They're not gonna let Kondo beat Yuma. I mean, that's the thing. I actually just listened to Open the Voice Gate today. Mm. Um, and they also brought up the fact that in the past. Dragon Gate has never really been a promotion. It has kind of been able to pull rank on other promotions. Right. Even if they're obviously by every metric, they're like a larger promotion than All Japan. Because Dragon Gate is still like seen very much as kind of the bastard child of Japanese wrestling. So I think there's still a decent chance that like, again, that All Japan is just going to go like, no, 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 Yuma is going over because we have plans for Yuma. Yeah. But it is just the fact that like Kondo has like a major title match coming up. So there is a chance that like Kondo gets the win here or that there is just, I would end it in, I don't know. Like I don't like DQs, but fuck it. I don't, I'm not having him beat Yuma. No. What? With all due respect to Shuji Kondo. What? Kondo joins Voodoo Murderers. He already is joined Voodoo Murderers. Oh, he is already. Yeah. Oh, Okay. He was in the 10 okay, man. no, yeah, he, then it's definitely going to be the Q. Yeah, never mind. He was a, he was in a, he was in the 10 man 10 man tag at the March Road Award. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about it's hard to keep track of what factions Condor's in because apparently he's in just yeah, every he's also in Congo. Every faction. Yes, he exactly. Does, he doesn't really have to change his outfit when he moves between Voodoo Murders and Congo it's either. The weird thing, you know the promotion he's not in a faction in? Dragon Gate, which mm-hmm. is the promotion all about factions. Yeah. So uh yeah, uh either Yuma wins or Kondo, it's a DQ. I just don't see them having him beat Yuma unless it's like no, if, someone if runs in and hits him with a chair. All, literally almost anyone else, I think Kondo goes over. But Yuma is like the one guy where all Japan is just going to go. Either this match doesn't happen at all, or if it happens, then Yuma can't lose. Yeah. And so uh, after that um, match, uh, comedy match of the show, Masanobu Fuchi, Takao Mori, and the returning ATM versus Yoshitatsu Masao Inoue, who hasn't been around in a bit, and Sushi. Um, I expect um, the referee to be bribed and some people to get envelopes at ringside. I could actually expect that ATM just hands an envelope to Sushi, who just lays down. That could happen, too. Um, I was hoping, though, that maybe Fuchi's team wins because it's the 50th anniversary. I don't know. I no, I, I actually think the Fuji team is going to win because I think oh, okay. Sushi is taking. Oh the right, pin. yes, sorry, yeah. yeah, they're on the same team, yeah, for sure, yeah. And then after that, we got Atsuki Aoyagi versus Rising Hayato, which is why I sort of like, are, are they drifting apart? If these guys get enough time, this is going to be awesome. I think 
They're yeah. both sort of like really hitting their stride, especially Atsuki. But Hayato's really, as we've said several times, yeah. he took that bad performance against Sugi in the junior title match in January and has really upped his game as an opportunity yeah. to up his game. I have high expectations for this, to be honest with you. Yes, yes. I actually, like we didn't talk about it earlier, but I also actually really liked his match with, a uh, singles match with Hokuto as well. Oh yes, that was on the show that Nomura returned. Yeah, um, exactly. I like that match. I think I am actually, I worked myself into thinking that was going to be even hot, bigger. Like it was a solid like match. I just expected them to go a little more balls out than they did, but they didn't. But I, don't yeah. know. I, I just felt it saved that for the title match. But but I think like Aoyagi and Haya to here, I think that's like yeah. because it's like a really big show. I think they're yeah. kind of going to go all out and because they really want to show that they're like guys now, mm-hmm. that oh, they're like sure. major players in the junior division. Yeah. Uh, I would assume that Atsuki is going to win. Yep. I, that's what I think too. Yeah. Uh, so watch out for that one. Super match of the show, I think. Um, and then the next match. This is which has gotten a lot of builds, quite possibly the most build of any match in the show. Suwama and Taru of the Voodoo Murders versus Evolution's newest member, Yuji Nagata <laughs> and Dan Tamara. The passion of Dan Tamara con- continues. Yes. Dan Tamara will take a beating in this match. Oh, God, he will. <laughs> um, Paul, Nagata and Tamara got a win here because that sort of deflates from the other matches later this month, right? If they yeah, because they have multiple matches coming up as well. Yeah. Like they're also staying together as a team. Yeah. But and especially you... like the way they have been beating Tamara as a drum as well. And you can just beat, like Nagata can beat Taru. Like there's yeah. no issues there. Well, I think Tamara should roll up Taru ideally. Yeah, but I, don't but think... I feel like if yeah, Nagata's yeah. there, he's, yeah, yeah. he's backdropping. But, but the reason why... Actually, I... that would be very impressive actually if he backdrops Taru. Yeah, well, yeah. I wouldn't backdrop Taru um, just for safety purposes. Yeah. Um, although, you know. I mean, I also wouldn't have Taru there in general. For safety yes, purposes. exactly. He uh, should be in jail. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I think they win because you just sort of take this, this, the wind out of the sails for um, like doing a Suwama and X match because I would assume X is going to win. Suwama and X will win the Nagata yes. and Tamara match. So I think you give Nagata and Tamara the win here, right? Yeah, and because also like after that they're kind of moving on to something else as well. Because then yeah. after that, like the like the guard and Tamara are actually staying together, and then they're facing off against uh, Kento and Hayato. Yeah, so yeah, you got to get them win. Uh, I could actually see them become just like a regular team going forward. Like, and they might even go for like maybe they're actually getting like an all Asia tag title shot. Yeah, I could see that as well. I could see them winning those too, especially if the yeah. next stars didn't win. Yeah. So after that, again, well. Maybe this isn't the official match or just all the matches that have been listed. They only know more versus Hokuto Omori, which I think has a chance to be very good. Yeah, um, I'm kind of trying to hold back my expectations. Yeah, <laughs> no more wins, of course. Now, yes, uh, Paul, I, I, this sounds really bad because I said no more is my favorite wrestler. I just haven't had time to go and watch his Ganbare matches yet, <laughs> but I watched clips of his capture match, mm-hmm. a match of he had in capture. He's like working like a lot more like a hard like scrabble style like with like lots of like elbows like to the back of the head and like suplexes and like super holds and stuff so like i think that fits him like especially if he's sort of playing a heel which he is now mm-hmm. and so i don't know i would like kind of excited to see nomura's style i could see this being a semi squash or like a dominant victory too yeah i mean so you think that nomura is just gonna play like the full here and then because that would mean that Omori would have to be like the face. 
which he's kind of been well, like what kind of, kind of a tweener, as... basically recently. Well, I mean, I felt like after that angle, Omori was the face. Like he's defending yeah. all Japan, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's actually where he's better, like in ring wise as well. Yeah, I think so too. He's I think that actually that that's why I'm trying to like hold back my expectations because I have a feeling that I might go into this with like too high expectations. I know, I know. But I think if yeah, because as you said, it could be like a semi squash as well. But if it is actually like a proper match, I think this is like no. I I think they should ideally. I think they should give him ten minutes. Yeah. I think no more should keep, take most of the match, but like give yeah. Omori some hope spots and stuff. Yeah, you but know? like I think the. Only outcome, the only acceptable oh, absolutely. outcome is no more winning. Yeah, because yeah, no more is not done. Now, how much more he has yeah. after this, I don't know, but it's pretty clear that he's 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 staying around for a bit. Yeah, least. he's still doing something with Yuma, obviously. Yeah, regardless of what it turns into. Uh yeah. a little uh Paul, did you know it's now a Geora TV title four-way ladder match? Oh god, wait, really? Yes. <laughs> when did uh, that happen? I like set this sheet ago. up like Oh, yeah, exactly. Because I set this, I set this sheet up like yesterday. Or like, no, it was just after them. I think you set this this run sheet up. <laughs> of course, uh, Izanagi versus Black Mansoray versus Toshizo versus Paul. Do you think you know who the fourth uh, part of this match is? Tanaka. Uh, no, uh, it is Yusuke Kodama. Oh, okay, that's random. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this match basically started as Izanagi versus Black Mansoray in a ladder match. And why Mensa Ray deserves to get a title shot after getting pinned in a title yeah. match, I, I don't know. It's a gay TV title. Nothing has to make sense uh, is my uh, motto for the title. Yeah. Uh, so basically they did that. And then Toshizo got added and then Kodama got added. Um, I so think do, uh, do you think they're going to add more? Like there's three days left. Do you think they're going to add more people? <laughs> no, I don't. But you never know. They should just keep adding people and just have it be like, like a fucking money in the bank ladder match. There's just like eight people in there. Um, look, I mean, I think all of these are good wrestlers. I don't know if they're suited to be in a ladder match, though. They're not really like Kodama is the closest thing to a high flyer of any of these guys, really. Yeah, that's the thing as well. <laughs> and so I would assume it's going to be a lot of brawling and weapons and a couple of ladder Which spots. Which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. I bet you they put Kodama in there because he's the only one that could do a move off the ladder. <laughs> yeah. Like, because someone has to dive off a ladder. Yeah. But I guess, um, I mean, I also have like literally no idea who's going to win. I think it's just be Izanagi. Probably. But I like, doesn't like, really make a difference if any of the Remember his last junior title run was like, win it and lose it right away. Yeah. So I could see that happening again, right? Could they put it on Toshizo? He's not a full timer though. Yeah. Like he's too busy. Spoiler alert. Uh Ryuji Hijikata is a city counselor in Saitama, I think. So oh, yeah. uh, so getting dates on him, um, you know, he can only work weekends or something. Like he's not on every show. He's usually only on the Corkins or like matches in like Saitama or like Yokohama and stuff, right? But they give them a good rate when like booking like yeah arenas and saitama though yeah no that's why they should put the title on him so he gives <laughs> them a good rate <laughs> i could see black mansory winning to be honest with you yeah i mean like it doesn't make a difference if it's an izanagi or black mansory no it doesn't like, they're, they're, they're the sort same. of interchangeable at this point yes which they weren't before but now they are yeah now they're just literally the two masked guys on the ring and can literally put either of them in a match and it doesn't make a difference Okay, and then so 
now this match order I think is probably going to be correct because this is third yes. from the top. PWF World Junior Heavyweight Championship also at Sushi Aoki Memorial match. And I'm going to ask you about that in a second, Paul. Hikaru Sato versus Tiger Mask. Paul, I know we have already speculated about Tiger Mask winning here, but Paul, Sato can't win a net, can't lose a, at Sushi Aoki Memorial match, can he? No, because that, like, that's kind of to me, it's like, because just how close they were. Yeah. Like, because I think people also underestimate how close they were. Like, I was actually in uh, Japan uh, at the same time as Aoki died. Oh, okay. Um, because I actually very distinctly remember like standing at a uh, at a train station in Tokyo talking to uh, John Carroll, Kelly. I think Taylor was there as well. And we wanted to go to like Akihabara. Mm. Uh, and I saw like the f- message pop up on my phone that Aoki had died. And uh, Sato actually had a heart hit show like the next day or two days later. Mm-hmm. And that was like basically like also like a Aoki memorial match, a memorial show as well. Like, and it was like all like heartfelt kind of like stuff to him, like after the show. And like, he actually had like a pretty good match with Hideki, uh, Hideki uh, Sekin of all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Hideki actually broke down in tears on the like post-match promo. Uh, but like Sato as well, like it was just very much like felt like a match where both of them were like getting their frustrations out. Right. So like Sato and Aoki were just incredibly close. And like it would just feel very weird if like he loses yeah. the memorial match to an outsider as well. Yeah. So as soon as I saw this was also the Aoki memorial match, I'm like Sato's winning. Yeah. That was my feeling on it. I mean, I guess there would be like today is like something with like a tiger mask rain, and then if he like puts over like Ariagi uh, uh, at the end, uh, at the end. So I think there's some money in that, but like I think in general, like I think it's just to stay the course with Sato, have him hold the title until the anniversary show, and just have him put over Ariagi there. Yeah, I'm because I'm, Tiger I'm... Mask is like a name, but like in like the canon of like all Japan, Sato is like a bigger deal. For sure. And also Nagata will get a win on this show probably. And then so like a New Japan guy can lose. And yeah. so I'm I'm fairly confident Sato's retaining now. Yeah. And then, well, I think it'll be pretty good. I, I like I like I said, like I think if anyone can get a good match with Tiger Mask in 2022, it's Sato. Yeah, it's also like the most like like the biggest match Tiger Mask has had in how many years? Because he, well, he was just by New Japan for he like was, a while. Wasn't he like I did? He was wasn't junior tag champions with Robbie Eagles last year or earlier this Probably. year? I kind of fell. I kind of fell out of New Japan <laughs> like last year. He had a junior tag title run with Robbie Eagles either last year or early this year or went into early this year. Okay. So um, I mean, okay. So yeah, that that's something of note to do. But like then, I, let's say maybe then like say for like single stuff, it definitely is like the biggest singles yeah, match he's had in like a long time. Yeah, because he hasn't really been even in like best of super juniors in a while. Um, and then what I assume will be the semi-main event for the World Tag Team Championship: Twin Towers, Suji Ishikawa, and Kohei Sato versus uh, still as of yet unnamed team. I'm going to keep calling them that: Shotaro Ashino and Ryuki Honda. Um, I think this will be good. It's a bit of a question with the Twin Towers these days. Mm-hmm. Depends on Suji's. Uh, effort he gives and you can work around Sato's limitations I suppose I think Honda and Ashino will want to work hard on a a big stage my gut 
I mean, my heart tells me that I want obviously Ashino and Honda to win. My gut tells me that Twin Towers retain. That's probably what's happening. Um, but I don't think it's impossible that Ashino and Honda win. And if Ashino and Honda win, that tells you that All Japan's very serious about pushing young talent, I think. Yes. But I am still under the impression, I would say 60, maybe even 70, 75% certain that it's going to be Twin Towers winning. Yeah. I would also still gun to my head say Twin Towers winning. Um, if Ashino and Honda actually win, then All Japan significantly kind of shoots up my like rankings for like promotion of the year. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, as I said, that really shows like just complete change in kind of booking philosophy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, who the hell do Twin Towers defend again? Yeah, anyway. I mean that's. But then who is who are Sheena and Honda going to defend against? So like, I think that's just a general problem that yeah. they have in the division right now. Yeah. Um, I think maybe in terms of match quality, I mean the Kumadoi match kind of exceeded expectations. I've, I have a feeling fifteen minutes sprint this might as well. Yeah, yeah, this might as well. Yeah, don't like do like Honda twenty minutes. And Honda and Ashino, like don't do twenty minute heat spot of like the Twin Towers working over Ashino or something. No, yeah, no, 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 definitely not. You know? But I also feel like Honda definitely like he's even more hitting like another stride now. Yeah. When they had that setup tag match, when yeah. he like got the pin and he was just staring at Ishikawa the entire time and he got the pin, that was great. One um, one thing that I could see that in Ashino and Honda's favor was that Ishikawa beat Ashino in the champion carnival and then also pinned him in a tag match. So I feel like Ashino sort of due for a win back over Ishikawa. Yeah. But who knows, right? I don't know. I don't want to get I mean, like yeah. I try now. I'm trying to talk myself into a Shino and Honda. Yeah. What 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 would you say would be your percentages on who wins? Sixty forty Twin Towers. That might even still be too high for. Yeah, yeah. I might be like seventy thirty. Sixty seventy thirty. Yeah, maybe I'm sixty five. Yeah. Sixty five twenty five. Maybe two thirds is a good. Yeah. Good. Uh, I think. Yeah. Zone for I think, my ma- I think I just messed up my math there. 65 yeah. 35. Yeah. 65. I, like, I am, I keep, I, whenever I think about this match, I just keep telling myself Twin Towers are going to win, Twin Towers are win, going to win. Don't get yourself too excited and disappointed, yep. right? And so, I like, mean, especially I, with Ashino and then, yeah, yeah, of course, like, right? But I don't know. Like, I think even the fact that this is actually like a match where I think Honda and Ashino have a decent chance of winning, I think already shows something as well. Because yeah. I think maybe if this match happens a year ago, we're like, oh no, yeah, this is like a hundred percent, yeah, like yeah. Ishikawa saw to win. Then our main event, the Triple Crown, Kento Miyahara versus Jake Lee. I mean, these guys never have a bad match. I will say that I think their matches before Jake Lee turned heel were better. Um, I think they're really sort of leaning into the fact in the that they last time they faced each other it was a 60 minute draw i do not think it's going to be another 60 minute draw but it would not shock me instead of being a 30 minute match they they try to go like 40 or 45 i think they try to do some new stuff um i've seen people think they think jake is winning because he had to vacate the title i don't think jake is winning i don't think jake is winning especially after pinning kento on that cork and hall show on sunday and i think kento's going because uh, okay, so Royal Road Odo tournaments in August, and then there's a Corican in July. So that's the like the last Triple Crown defense, I would assume, before September. Um, like, so it just doesn't. It, 
like, I don't know, like I said, the only possible match I can see that you put Jake Lee in if he's going into the Budokan is Jake Lee versus Tadahashi, and I don't think that's happening, yeah. or at least not for the Triple Crown. So I just, and, and Kento's, like, I know pandemic numbers are questionable, and I have shooed away many estimates of pandemic numbers, uh, but you can look at sort of intra-pandemic numbers, and all Japan's business has upticked since Kento's yeah. got the Triple Crown back. So it just, for so many reasons, I don't see it, right? And also, I think there's an angle after this match that involved Jake Lee either announcing he's disbanding Total Eclipse or Total Eclipse come and attack him and to kick him out. That's yeah. my prediction. Yeah, I, I think it is definitely more likely that Kento wins. I think there is an off chance that Jake wins. Maybe either, as he said, that they want to do Tanahashi, Jake Lee at the anniversary show, or that they want Kento going into the show as the challenger. And then he wins the title and that's the big moment. But I don't know that also, I don't think really would feel that special. But, no. No. Uh, but yeah, I think just the easiest, like just the safest decision here and just like the easiest going forward is just if Kento wins and he just trucks on uh, to the anniversary show. Um, yeah, so, but I, it definitely should be a really good match. Uh, I think, as I said, these two have really good chemistry. I think they should deliver here again. It's a big show. And kind of going to be curious about what the number is going to be, especially kind of compared to like this has to be their Champions, previous number. This has to be Champions Night three, to me, or the whatever yeah. they drew for the sixty minute draw in October, which was yeah. Champions Night two. I mean, I'm also going to be curious what that draws compared to like other recent like OTA shows. Like, yeah. I don't think they're going to get to like New Japan or Stardom numbers. No. If they draw 15, if they don't beat the Noah number, that's bad. <laughs> what was the oh yeah? No, they will. The yeah. tickets are, I think they, they already did. Yeah. I'm looking at the tickets. The front two sections, like special ringside and then ringside are sold out. And then yeah. I'm looking on Lawson, and then the floor seats are in the yellow triangle, which means they've moved. Yeah. But are not sold out. And then the only ones left are some like back standing room tickets that are still green. But there's still walk up is still a thing in Japan, obviously. Yeah, and so they've got to at least get in the. They got to, they got to do at least thirteen to fifteen hundred. Although I don't think it's an outside of the realm possibility that they get fifteen sixteen in there. Yeah, I think that definitely would be a success. Yeah, yeah. As long so, as they beat their previous yes, as long awards, as they beat their previous show there, it's good. Yeah, they're they're good. I will consider that a success. Okay, and then quickly, uh, just looking ahead, um, because we have gone along and there is so much going on. Um, so going in the rest of the Dynamite series, on the 25th, um, the only matches I think worth mentioning are um, Suwama and X versus Yuji Nagata and Dan Tamara. Paul, is it the Maltese Ricky Dozan? I would love if it's that because then you can actually do like a filler title defense for Kento as well. Yeah. When he finally, finally calls in his the longest built triple crown match of all time. <laughs> um, Literally been building for like six years, not in, but like four years at this point where he just keeps pinning Kento and never gets a triple crown shot. Look, I have absolutely zero evidence. It's, um, Gianna Valletta. I forgot his yeah. name. <laughs> I've been calling him the Maltese Ricky. No, it's handsome. Um, but I have no idea. Future Libra I, superstar. Yeah, IWRG Intercontinental uh, Heavyweight Champion. 
yeah. for like seven days or something. <laughs> it means better than other people that they're booking. So yeah, um, I have no evidence. It's just a name that I pulled out of my ass because it's like, well, it's not another voodoo. It's not like Masayuki Kono because they've already used him. What right? if it's Thatcher again? <laughs> I actually would love that. I just, it just no, feels like it's just very unlikely. I, I was just but saying, what if it's like Doring or someone like that? Oh, that would be awesome. But Doring cut that promo that he's unimpressed with Suama for joining yeah. the murders again. Um, although there's no indication that Doring's coming back to all Japan. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, well, I mean, not impossible. It could be him here. I just picked Valletta because Tajiri likes him, obviously. And mm-hmm. he fits in with Voodoo Murders as like yes. a foreigner, oh, as a foreigner Voodoo Murders guy, right? He was doing Voodoo Murderer stuff before Voodoo Murderers came back to all Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, he was doing that shtick. Um, yeah, so um, like him choking people with the chain, like, yeah. yeah no, again, it, I, like, I, fits like a glove. I have no idea. It could be anyone, right? They could even announce I mean, it before. I don't yeah, I mean, it's, it could also be, uh, uh, what's his name again? The Zero One guy from Australia. Chris Weiss. Who was like, the, yeah, the Voodoo Murderers guy there. Yeah. Although. It could be Chris Weiss. I don't un- quite understand the storylines in Zero One, but from my understand, it's like Chris Weiss and um, what's the other guy? I can't remember. Uh, Yoshikazu something. Yeah. He's feuding with Taru. Yeah, but I also don't think All Japan gives a shit about Zero One storylines. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the semi main event. And then the main event, I'll just say it's Kento Mihara asking Aoyagi in Rising Hayato. So maybe Aoyagi's still in next stream. I don't know. Versus Jake Lee, Yuma Aoyagi. So that's continuing and why I think Jake is having a character direction change after Oda Ward versus, and their team was Shiro Koshinaka for that show. That is a choice. <laughs> like one of these things is not like the others. Yeah. And then on the 26th at uh, Kyoto KBS Hall, uh, I think you mentioned it already. It's um, uh, Kento and Hayato versus Yuji Nagata and Dan Tamara. And I'm excited for that to see Nagata and Kento lock up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Suwama and X versus Jake Lee and Yuma Aoyagi. And um, I think it's been changed to this, although I, like, I'm not sure because I keep seeing it or it, or it will be changed because they keep saying they want a all Asia tag title match. But Omori and Kodama versus Izanagi and Black Menso Ray, and I think that might get changed to a title match. Yeah. So um, that is All Japan coming up. We'll get a better idea on what all of some of the booking of these Mm -hmm. shows mean after Oda Ward, because Paul, I also expect a bunch of angles to happen at the Oda Ward show. That Um, definitely seems to be the thing now in All Japan. Now, let me ask you this before, I guess, because we'll say it in conclusion, the big picture. Do you think All Japan is running too many angles right now? Like they're running Not angles yet. on spot shows, yeah. which they I mean, weren't they weren't doing, doing any angles before. So wow. I think them running Cork and Hall, they were yeah, but it was it. like three a year. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely just feels like a significant, like I actually like it so far. Like so I far, am, it I definitely, I, I very much enjoy it because it just like adds like a lot of like unpredictability to their shows. I think there's definitely a danger of like doing too much, but I think right now they're kind of or doing like riding too much and line. too stupid. Like that yeah. combination of stupid so far, and too much. So far, they're keeping that balance. Yeah. So like, so far, now, I'm like, definitely murders has not gone off the doing. rails yet. No, there's definitely right. always that danger of that happening. Or like, if they do like, I don't know, Yuma Aoyagi joins Voodoo Murderers or something like that, then like, okay, then you're starting to lose me at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That's a dumb. Oh, I forgot to add. Cause I really love this. I marked out for it on the fortune dream show. The opening match was Takao Mori versus um, Issei Onitsuka. And before the match, we got a video message from Yoshihiro Takayama. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, you know, he's still unfortunately paralyzed. Mm-hmm. But he was sitting up in his um, like bed and, 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 and giving notes. But guess what? Omori came out as... Takayama? No. Well, he came out as a member of No Fear. Had the No Fear music. Oh. Had all black tights and dyed blonde hair. And it was, he was accompanied by the often forgotten third member of No Fear, Satoru Asako. Oh, that's really cool. That's yeah, really and nice. I, and yeah. I was I had, that put a big smile on my face. <laughs> okay, now I definitely have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Omori won, uh, which I guess shouldn't be that surprising, although he's sort of downcycled. And Onitsuka sort of kind of pushed to a certain level and great these days. Yeah, but he's still like yeah, one yeah, of yeah, the yeah, lower yeah. guys. And yeah. So that, that it was a fun match, right? It was like mm-hmm. Onitsuka being a dick to the old guy and then like Omori <laughs> like powering back up. So that just put a warm smile on my face and is very all Japan related, I thought. So mm-hmm. I was going to add that in there. But Paul, do you have any other um, closing yes. thoughts before we leave? I have two more things. Okay. Real quick, because we've been going for a while. Yeah. Because one thing I just very quickly wanted to talk about because it's something that I found out recently. And that is, I think we just very briefly need to talk about Daichi Sato. Oh, yes. Yes. Paul, so, you, you watch more hard hit than I did do, so yeah. explain him. So in this case, he's also in heat up, actually, mainly. But, oh, okay. like, he is in, uh, it, it was in hard hit is doing that as well. So Daichi Sato is 13 years old, which, first of all, he probably should not be wrestling. However. Well, they all at, do it in Joshi's. So. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and also, at 13 years old, Daichi Sato is currently 170 centimeters tall and 90 kilograms. So for our American listeners, he is five foot seven and 198 pounds at 13 years old. He is going to be huge. Like he's going to be a very big boy. He's already kind like he actually, I saw him, uh, I saw clips of him having a match with Shigehiro Irie where they were teaming together. And he's pretty much the same size as Irie already. Just let that sink in at 13. He is the kind of guy that All Japan should get as soon as he turns 18. Yes, really. yes. I, 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 to be fair, I think that All Japan does have relatively strict requirements for like age. Well, but like once knew. he kind of like gets closer, they probably they should get like feelers out and be like, hey, do you want to like, because he fits in All Japan. Like he would fit in there perfectly. Well, wait, Raymu Imai, the other heat up guy that they've used, yeah. he's like 16 or 17. So they could probably, I mean, he has but already he, gotten a book in DDT as well. He worked like okay, the DDT so show. They had a, he had a match with Yuki Ueno, so DDT is oh, also already that. having an eye on him. So, yeah. okay. Well, I could see All Japan booking him when he's 17, maybe. Yeah. Or 16. <laughs> Which, again, still four years away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, is he... <laughs> definitely someone to keep an eye on. Paul, I know you speculated mm-hmm. this when you found out about him. But what are the chances he's Hikaru Sato's son? I don't think he is. I actually had a chat with, with Jojo about that. And he was like, well, Sato is the most common Japanese like name. Right. But it would be hilarious if Hikaru Sato has a son that is basically already as tall and like tall, tall as him and heavier than him uh, at like Hikaru, 13. <laughs> Hikaru Sato's large son. Yes, it's just Hikaru Sato's actual, like, it's, we joke about Tsubama's large son, but if this yeah. was, like, Hikaru Sato's actual large son, that would be amazing, yeah. Yeah, no, that is not, that is just pure pet speculation, yes. him being on hard hit, we'd no proof, but yeah. he is definitely 
someone to keep your eye on that would fit in yes. sort of in the, like all Japan and like places like that. Yeah, if he's going to be at least decent, which he already looks for a 13 year old, he looks solid already. Uh, like he's probably going to be like he's going to be a problem. Like he's going to be like a big a big guy both in terms of stature, but I think also in terms of push as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the other thing as well, uh, I think that's something that we want to announce now, is the uh, that we intend to do a half-year awards for Puro as well. Uh, we are kind of aiming to record that kind of in early July, so once we're past the half point of the year, which is not the beginning of June, it is actually the end of June is the half point of the year. And we are also kind of going to look to get some guests onto that as well. Yes, for sure. But no one with bad takes. No. <laughs> Obviously, only people with good takes. It's uh, going absolutely. to be the best Puro panel because it's going to be people that we have selected so they're going to be objectively correct. But we will have a smattering of people that watch different kinds of Puro, so we'll have yes. everything represented. Like yeah. Joshi and New Japan and Dragon Gate and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, well, can... yeah we we'll probably might be able to make some more announcement on who's actually going to be there when we get closer to it, but yeah. Like broadly, it is going to be similar to kind of observer categories, but we're going to do some adjustments for that. And it is going to be exclusively for Japan as well. Yeah. So you can look out for that in early July. And Paul will be back. Well, I suppose this is an on-air production meeting, but should we come back a little sooner than usual to talk about a reward? Yeah. Yeah, I can probably do that as well. Yeah, we might. But I no guarantees, but we'll probably be back in less than two weeks as our usual thing. Yeah, I mean, especially because this episode is probably coming out a little later than usual as well. Yeah. Because we're recording a little later. Yeah, so you can look forward to that because hopefully if all goes well, we'll have a lot to talk about and go for seven hours talking about Champions Night 4. (laughs) All right, so for Paul Vosch, I'm Gerard Detrolio, and we'll see you, I guess, sooner rather than later.